This is another episode of The Paragon Path. This is episode 12, The Punk Monks. We have three amazing guests with us today to talk to you about everything you need to know about the Gray Sash class. From what to bring to the field, how to place your equipment on the field, how to get the most out of sanctuary, and what to do in those sticky situations. Stick around, learn, and stay on the path. Enjoy the episode. And we are recording. All right, this is our 12th episode of The Paragon Path. Welcome. Um, because I've been told I don't introduce myself. I'm Merrick the 15th. I run this shit and get used to my voice. Um, today we are doing the punk monks because surprisingly less things rhyme with monk than I'd like. So it's punk monks today. Um, we're going to have our three guests introduce themselves and then we're going to start talking about the gray sashed. Uh, I almost said bandit, but that's kind of what you guys are on the field running around, <laughs> causing problems, utter chaos all over the place. Absolutely. again. Um, let's start with the top corner because my camera is the one recording. So, Quan. Uh, I'm Lord Quan Quarrel from the Kingdom of Winter's Edge. The park is Radiant Valley. I don't know if that's important. Uh, I have played Monk for most of my time in Ampgard, which I started in 2014. So, almost six years of been playing pretty much only Monk. That's a lot of time playing Monk. That. So you had V7, V77, or 75, one of the two, into mm -mm. V8. No, no, we had V8 the entire time I've been in. I thought it switched early. I'm not okay. sure. It was fall 2014, and I assume, I don't know if Winter's Edge was like. There's some doing, parts that were like, uh, like we're doing, doing uh, a trial basis. Gotcha. That's the same oh, thing that's with, right. Uh, Western Winds for me. Yes, the. Uh, um, it was a slow rollout, essentially. Instead of like a all for one, we're done. This is what we're starting. It was kind of a slow rollout with playtest. That's right. I remember. Yep. Because I joined, uh, literally the weekend after they declared V8 was in. Like this is when we officially started. Nobody used V77 anymore. Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next we'll go down to Sedge. Sedge. Hi. Sedge. So uh, I am Sedge from Viridian Outlands. My home park is Western Winds. I've been playing Monk. Or I played it solid for four years, and then I broke my hand and had to uh, start reaving a lot. Which uh, I now make sure everyone is wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Pol yeah. Poles are not always your friend, yeah. <laughs> especially when it's the cores. <laughs> Safety equipment's important. Oh yeah, during yeah. your immersion. Uh, speaking of safety equipment, Shaft, the bandit that never wears shoes. Um, yep. <laughs> you want to introduce yourself? I'm Shaft from Polaris, uh, currently uh, out of Green Harbor, and I've been playing Monk for about a decade. So I, I was back in, uh, started back in V7.7, just tail end of that. Mm -hmm. uh, Monk was a different beast in 7.7 from what I'm told, and... Yeah. Pretty uh, similar, actually. But some of the ability, uh, well... It, oh no, maybe I think of a different one. No, but yeah, Monk had some similar yeah. abilities, but um, due to the way 7 7 worked, it wasn't as effective as it is now, is what I remember, yes. if I remember correctly. Um, so, in, back in uh, version 7, spellcasters had a ratio where you could only have so many per battle game, mm -hmm. and monks were a lot less like anti spellcaster. They were weirdly anti assassin, which was kind of silly because assassin wasn't that powerful to begin with. Uh, um, yeah. So we had a uh, sanctuary was basically as it is now. And instead of ESOL, we had like 
four immunities by the time you hit level six. And those, uh, let's uh, command, death, uh, traps, which was like something that only assassins had. I thought scouts uh, also had a trap. Uh, they had, I think they may have had actual hold person. I don't know. It, one okay. of the two. Yeah, because um, it was hold person used to be three different spells and it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was yeah. outlandish. It was bad. Um, and then uh, poison, which was another almost almost exclusively assassin ability. Um, yeah. So I think uh, two anti assassin things. Yeah, I think just straight up immunity to verbals is a much better upgrade than like pick and choose little specific immunities. Um, it is. Yeah. So we're all congratulations at all being V8 monks instead of you know <laughs> dealing with some V7 stuff. <laughs> I some people like V7 better. Some people like V8 better. It's their opinion. It's their choices. Um. All right. Mm -hmm. So with our uh our our guests and paragons introduced, we are going to jump into the question we started off with every episode. If we're going to ask people to make it to a goal, we want to make sure that they uh know what that goal is we can't just ask them to reach a goal without telling them what it is so what is the difference between a level six and a paragon let's start with such so uh for me uh it's actually easier for me because i am the current uh speaker for the circle of paragons for vo so i try and get all that information uh, pushed into me so i when i'm looking for like a paragon compared to a level six i'm seeing do they use their full loadout like throwies uh great short what do they like to use and do they use it effectively do they have good abilities do they have good role play do they like to teach newer players and like uh and then also on the field like if someone's like hey xyz monks on the other team and you hear like four people going fuck <laughs> then you know you're on the good path <laughs> that's uh that's been a pretty consistent through line is when you jump on a team and someone goes crap we have to figure out how to counter them you're on the path yeah. you're up there <laughs> yeah like uh for a while i used uh dual 64 inch poles and <laughs> oh yeah here Deep i have brain. one right here oh my god <laughs> so i have one of the chopsticks 64 inch pole oh my and with with both of these i can cover my entire torso anywhere i mm. want you're not going to hit me with any spell ball or anything. And I have all the reach to just harass you with your single sword, wizards. 64-inch <laughs> speed pulls. Two of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is so much fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got to go make a poll. Podcast over. Just hold on. <laughs> um, that sounds fantastic. I like that. Um Golf club shaft for the core, or like kite spar. Uh, six oh two kite spar. Okay, so they were real light, sweet, sweet speed poles. Um, oh yeah, nice. Okay, uh, anything else to add on that first? Uh, nothing I can really think of. All right, um, let's go with shaft. Uh, what's the difference between a level six and a paragon to you? Um, I mean, like the easy answer is an effective use of abilities on the battlefield, right? Like using, uh, as I said, using your whole kit pretty important and then also to expand upon the uh like when you when the battlefield like warps around you based off of like oftentimes based off of your loadout for monk but just when it's like the uh you know the the field is responding to your presence as a whole rather than just like individual people that you're singling out um 
it allows you to control objectives and um, you know, shape the the battle lines. Yeah, kind of be that shark in the minnow effect. Um, mm -hmm. Some of my most effective times on the battlefield is out there with the you know eight foot pole arm, and it's just a matter of like I can control you know functionally sixteen feet sixteen foot circle, a little bit more because my own girth, but. Uh, and so it's just like that area is it's a bubble of you know death to some degree but also just like people staying out of it and you know responding accordingly yeah uh that whole threat radius thing is a huge um it's a huge factor when you start talking about tactics and and like battlefield lines if and, and we all have seen in smaller parks the battlefield lines start to like just disintegrating rapidly because there's not enough people to create an actual line. We're starting to look at more of like a swarm effect and mm -hmm. like a, a, a skirmish. And mm -hmm. if you're causing a larger bubble of effect than other players, you are definitely making a bigger difference in that skirmish and you're able to control where everyone is on the field and able to con like, you know, direct people to where they need to get to and help basically just pins their teams where you want. It's a, mm -hmm. Having access to that great those great weapons, especially is it five, six classes that have access to great weapons? Believe in that man. See. Barbarian, monk, uh warrior, warrior pally, anti-paladin, druid. Six? Yeah. Six. Cool. Yeah. Um, so like half the classes Two get the Yeah. For now. For now. Hey, C O M? <laughs> Vote yes. <laughs> <laughs> the hooligans want it um but half the classes get pole arms i would say some of the classes don't benefit as much from using the pole arms that have access to it but monk is definitely one of the ones that your pole arm matters like mm -hmm. a lot yeah. um and we'll get into more details on that a little bit later um quan how do you define the difference between a level six and a paragon well, since I'm stuck here at level six, uh, a lot of what I'm hearing I need to work on is letting people know that I'm interested in Paragon, apparently. And I needed to work on my garb and just being a little bit more visible on the field. Uh, I did have to take a pretty long break. Uh, I had to have a knee surgery in 2018. So I took a pretty long break and haven't really gotten back to battle gaming too much i did have a great time at keep though um but i guess the biggest the biggest things to look at is just reiterating definitely the full kit i hate sanctuary and that's probably where i'm messing up right now with trying to hit my goals here but um you're not the only one that hates sanctuary i oh, love it's... <laughs> from, it's from a, a rule. from a bard and like trying to play a little barbarian right now i dislike sanctuary with a passion a lot it's it's very obtuse like it doesn't fit in with the rest of the rule set because it's like this other state where you're not insubstantial but you can't have weapons and you can't affect the battlefield like it's, it's like insubstantial but not it, it's the like in order of things that make you go out of game it's like reload is here because it literally puts you out of game which is a, a weird ruling in my opinion and then right next to it a sliver away is sanctuary and it's like you are this close to being unaffected by things and it's 
is really You're weird. You're in the hooligan state. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we'll go into more details on that a little later because it is it, it Sanctuary is its own beast and uh Oh, it's so much fun. Uh, there's I, a there's a really great photo of how I feel about Sanctuary. It's me running around with my arms in the air because I'm so fed up with it. <laughs> but I'm just yelling Shank Sanctuary because why not? <laughs> Look, I'm using it. I mean, if you got it, use it, but there's definitely a couple bard spells I just don't take because they're bad. Yeah. Silver tongue. <laughs> Everyone looking over to poison glands on Druid. Oh, you get out of here. <laughs> I mean, at least it has some uses sometimes. I haven't seen poison glands once. Okay, I don't know if I've ever seen it regularly cast. I have seen it cast when a relic gives it to you. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> See? We've made police and guns good. Why? We put it on a relic. Well, I'm considering Druid, that's the one enchant Druids get that's for life at, like, level one. Well, they get... Level level two is poison. Level two? Yeah, okay. it, yeah. they get poison at level two, and then poison glands is three or four or five. something like that. Is it five? So It's five, yeah. That's stupid. That's way too high for that kind of spell. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's why it's bad. <laughs> yeah, per life I would know I run a 30 two. poison list for Druid for me. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so much fun. I have math and everything for it. <laughs> You've got to have... Okay, on on that note, if you have a 30-point list of poisons, every monk in their right mind needs to be coming to you and getting a poison to just shank somebody and come back. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of it is if you have 30 poisons, you give out as many as you can and say you have a 50% success rate with 30, then you have 15 instant kills that then turn a 30 on 30 to a 30 on 15. And it's a really solid one to like give to newbie too, like because like newbie may not be able to like win a, a real fight, but like they can probably snipe a leg. Oh, they're going to definitely the, the newbie dive. Yeah, oh exactly. <laughs> Those first level enchantments are great for newbies because like blessing against wounds, no one triple hits a newbie. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> you double tap and turn, and they go point, and you went what? <laughs> it's not happening. It's great. Um, Okay, back to back to monk. So, <laughs> um, with uh, our definition of where you want to get to to be a paragon, or what we're looking for to be a paragon, um, we want to talk about your guys' experience. Three things that you guys wish you knew when you started playing monk, or when you started really going for your paragon path. Let's start with Shaft on this one. So, I mean, I was going to say nothing, but now that I think about it, uh, like sanctuary effective is uh, extremely hard like it's like because of all of its nuance that so like like to make it useful i mean i i, I get we'll hit it now we can <laughs> hit it now we can skip the other one later yeah, um, that's fine. uh the to make it useful like i find that it's either one to get out of jail free card when you're like fighting someone with armor and you're just like well i can't win this fight throw your weapons down in sanctuary mm -hmm. but uh further if you uh if you just carry out onto the field just a bundle of weapons and just like just seed them on like your half of the field before combat starts, then you can like sanctuary from one fight, go somewhere else, pick up some more weapons, and fight somewhere else. Um that has been, in my opinion, some of the the most effective use of sanctuary. Yes. Okay, so using it uh almost like a blink with a bigger radius. Yeah. That is well, how I um, yeah. use it, too. Because specifically, and there's a lot of arguments that happen. I think Sanctuary is one of those enchantments. Enchantments. One of those uh, <laughs> abilities that 
uh, probably causes some of the most like aggressive arguments on the field, especially at large battle games, because mm -hmm. if you are a monk and you are playing Sanctuary and you know how it works, you often know how to exploit it in ways that nobody else cares to think about, which happens mm -hmm. a lot when you start reading the rulebook and you go, oh, I can shove a person that stopped. And they go, no, you can't. It says it in the rulebook. It's just only once. You got to mm -hmm. find it. Um, Sanctuary has that same effect because it is such a weirdly worded paragraph of, hey, mm -hmm. this is what it does. And yeah. there's all these if and statement. It's a computer code, basically. Like, if mm -hmm. you have weapons, you have to go back to base. If you do not have weapons, but pick up a weapon, you come out. If you don't have weapons and don't pick up weapons, then you can pop out anywhere you want, but you have to stay 10 feet away from all people or try to. It's a little weird. Before that, because uh, if you go to a friendly, like let's say a healer, and they have release, they can release you out of Sanctuary. Yeah. But it has to be a friendly. It has to be friendly. So that's a combination of two abilities, because you're looking at Sanctuary, yeah. and then you're also looking at Enlightened Soul. Enlightened Soul specifically says hostile. You can allow mm. people to target nope. range you. Enlightened Soul is anyone. Is it anyone? It's friendly. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, so Sanctuary but, is hostile. Uh, but yeah, it's outside touch. It's gotcha. outside touch range. So like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait. So, okay, so Sanctuary is the one that says hostile. Because I know Correct. one of them says hostile. So you can accept mm -hmm. hostile, non hostile thing. God, this is confusing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to computer code. <laughs> Here we are. I took HTML. I know how to make a 90s website. Um, that's not coding. That's just tagging. <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. Um, I took C. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so if you're in Sanctuary, you could be affected by things under 20 feet if you don't consider them hostile. Right? I'm remembering that correctly? I'm not going insane. I'm going to pull the rulebook up, which I should have done at the beginning, but I didn't. If it's a non-hostile action, yeah. But, like, soul, say if it's a spell, says it has to be at range touch. Unless yeah. it is a non-magical, such as EX ability, or it targets... Um, like your weapons, enchantments, or yeah, just weapons and enchantments for the most part. Right. Yes. So yeah. Where's sanctuary? Sanctuary says, "I'll get out your rule books and read it." <laughs> uh, okay. Player hostile actions Host yeah. originating with it. Okay. So you can accept. Okay, so you can accept non-hostile. What would that be? I mean, a release. It'd be a release. It'd be a touch range things, because it's yep. an ongoing effect. The release would work. Yeah. So you, if you don't want to go all the way back to your base, say like it's a huge battlefield, you go to mm -hmm. a friendly healer and say like you have swords on frogs. I've done this a few times. Fight mm -hmm. pull really hard. Someone rushes me. Run back in sanctuary to a healer. Hey, release me quickly. Kate, cool. Draw the frogs and let's go. As long as it's a touch range. They couldn't hit you yeah. with a greater release from beyond that. But Right. Yeah. But they okay. only need normal normal release. Yep. Normal so, release, which is already touch range. So, so yeah. here's another weird, stupid question. Because technically you can... This is, this is going to be really sideways. <laughs> you can accept an ice ball to hit you within 20 feet if you decide to not block it. The ice ball will freeze you, therefore stopping your chant, and you will be forced out of the sanctuary. Yeah, if it was non-hostile, 
Yeah, you'd have to accept it. That's a weird. That is a way to get out of it, but that's weird. Yeah, dumb. Because <laughs> either way, they're not going to be able to release you with greater release or release anyways. Because light and soul would stop it. Yeah, and and you'd have to be shattered at touch distance. So the only time that would be re- really useful is if some like super Chad warriors running <laughs> you with like two two phase blades. And it's ready to just like wreck your shit. You're like, ah, give me <laughs> I an ice ball. Me. So, oh, that's weird. Okay, you can teleport a sanctuary monk. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah. This is so many layers of stupid protection. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the mess. Oh God. Yeah. All right, this want... is the real problem with sanctuary. It just it creates like a spiral of of exceptions just around sanctuary specifically. Let's go make some Reeves angry here. That I love reaving uh, sanctuary because I know all about it, and I I'll watch them like ah, ah are they gonna are you gonna mess it up? Come on, do it. Let me kill you. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous ability. Okay. Wow. But at the same time, it's a ridiculous ability, but it's monks only real defense in melee. Monks don't have shields. We don't have any armor unless you're enchanted. True. So in theory, unless you're a really good stick, you're going to be losing a fight just because you don't have board or and you don't have, uh, you don't have armor. Yes. You, you, you're essentially telling all the defensive abilities that are regularly imbued with equipment are gone for you. You just yeah. have to rely on multiple weapons um, or your, your straight-up stick ability. So, yes. And sanctuary. <laughs> and sanctuary. <laughs> and the oh fuck button. <laughs> yep. It's an... Okay. <laughs> it, it, it is a good button. All right. Um, uh, were there anything else that you wanted to... You wish you knew at the beginning uh, or your beginning of your path, Shaft? Uh, no, Paladin, uh, Monk is, uh, extre- is very easy as a class, aside from Sanctuary. Um, so, like, it's all, it's all kind of right there on the, on the label. You is Monk, you have sticks. Go kill. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, Quan, are there any things you wish you knew at the beginning? Yeah, uh, I think the main thing that would have been great to know is that you're really not useful until you're at least level six because then you get the rest of your abilities that make you a monk like finally you can have heavy throne and you can block magic balls why level six um so so you get to wait till then to be actually useful because like i remember being still level five and a wizard was like oh no don't take that because you totally hit your hand and you're a monk and i'm like no no no, i'm not level six man (laughs) and he was like oh well sucks to be you i was like yeah it does (laughs) you're right uh and if you're just starting out playing monk they're gonna tell you you don't need to know anything about magic but they're lying to you they're lying really hard to you because you need to know a lot about magic Mm-hmm. And battery bards are very helpful. Oh dear God! Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. a horror story where we we had a game. And like, oh, there's no healers, no resurrects. That's gonna be fine. I'm the only monk. What's gonna happen? I did the <laughs> resurrect ten fucking times. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you guys have 
Sanctuary, heal, resurrect, all on recharge. You guys are like next to a bard's wet dream. Jewelry against like yeah. armor. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I can... The only downfall is I have to... If I'm playing a battery bard, I have to recharge your resurrect. I can't re uh, restoration it because that's my go-to for most things. It's like scouts... Uh, a lot of other casters, um, Assassin. assassins, they all just run up and I give them a restoration high five and they run away and they're all back up to 100%. Basically, I've got to right. charge half your like your your real big one. Um, mm. But I can, you know, you're healing your sanctuary, you can get back. So. Yeah, I think that it's either your guys's heal and resurrect is the most underused. It's heal and. I find it's heal first and then res. Okay. Cause... Yeah, because since you can only heal yourself, it's not yeah. as utilized. It's very weird. Um, I mean, I so use weird. I use heal more than I use res, right, for sure. Oh, I play frontline healer reser a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the <laughs> I, yeah, I find usually unless it's like a projectile, if you get armed or legged, usually it's in a fight where you're getting absolutely run over and. Most of them won't be able to have the heal off. But if you're trading with uh, range players, you're mm -hmm. just like, oh, that's a phaser. Slap. Get the throwing. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you can also, like, uh, sanctuary after you take a wound, just like, oh, no. Well, I'm wounded. Just, like, walk yeah. away and go heal yourself somewhere else. Then come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I really hope Paladin is opened up. Uh, partially because I want to see how adding another player with heal and resurrect on the field is going to change things because currently i don't see a lot of monks besides monks that are paragons using their heals and resurrects they're most of the time mm -hmm. just have sticks will take enchantments from druids and kill that's that's their whole yeah. setup like they're like i'm level six monk but i only know that i have missile ball block and i would combine those two abilities and i have esol and then i take enchantments that's my whole game um <laughs> What do you mean undead minion? Not an entirely valid life. <laughs> undead minion isn't a class. I swear it was for my first year. <laughs> Saw a gray sash and I was like, "That's a zombie." You want to be a gummy, right? Every to every first level monk. No, I mean, not today. Yes, if you're first level, especially like yes, wow. if you're first yeah. level. Making someone an ummy or a gummy, I like making new players ummies better than I make like making them gummies because they don't have to worry about wounded. They get oh, yeah. wounded, they Anything run back to you, use. send them back. Yeah, yeah, and then you just turn into the cardio game. How well? <laughs> how long will you run, monk, monk boy? <laughs> Do thirty laps. You need to kill every other lap. Go. <laughs> Pretty um, much. Yeah. Yeah, that it gets old being first level real quick. Uh, it gets old being first level anything real quick, like. Yeah. Oh, uh, the bard one, level one and two, where it's just like, I have two short swords and a dream of awe. I, <laughs> I legitimately, for a long time, my first couple classes, my first couple uh, credits and, and levels in bard was basically just myself, a dagger, and really hoping my team had a shield wall. Because that's, <laughs> that's what I was there for. I got shoves and terrifying. Guys, yeah, I got a you, shove. Uh, these. Yeah, level. Level one monk versus any of the spellcasters. The spellcasters are just like sad. Like the Especially only if you bring extra weapons. Yeah. Like, oh, I have key weapon, key weapon. Oh, that's that's good. I brought brought a pair of long swords. Now I have one. To right. Kill you with. Yeah. 
I think the only one that, that can cheese you is a druid because you do entangle, heat weapon, and I'm not gonna now dagger stab you in the dink. Thank you, thank you, druid. Very cool. That's well, that, once again, that's if you only brought one weapon, right? If you bring an extra yeah. weapon, now it's like I'm stopped, but it's still my longsword versus your dagger. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but then uh, heat weapon for druid is charge times three, so you yeah. just rip it back up and it's like now that one's gone too. You just I... keep doing it to them and laugh at them. I really hope a druid doesn't have enough time to cast heat weapon, recharge it, and cast it again before one of your teammates shanks them. Right. Like, if you were all by yourself with a level one <laughs> druid, you have messed up terribly. Also, if you just dodge the entangle, then they're just like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> I am screwed. I'm dead. My very um, short life. <laughs> Being level one sucks. Stop making our new players have to be level one for so long. Great. Okay. Um... That's a different debate. I want more <laughs> players to get to higher levels faster because currently it sucks to be a new player. Uh, that's a different discussion, though. Um, I think V8, V8 did streamline it a little. I think it went from like 60-some weeks to 52. Yes. Which is still still too long. I, it I still means sentiment. we have new players coming in and getting their asses handed to them repetitively because they have three abilities for m- months. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm doesn't help um yeah yeah and very few parks play the uh everyone's the same level or we're all playing a low level class today or whatever very few parks actually do that on a regular basis to help their new players get used to things as you level up so a lot of the time you're a level one or two dealing with a ton of level sixes with a lot more skill than you i mean it almost feels like hazing at some point we're just like hey kid get stabbed (laughs) Yeah. Also, Can't though, run the pole arm. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been in a park that are like, hold on, let me check your credits. Are you actually, you know, level six? That's true. That's true. That said, you know, like if you're new to the we game, do? you don't know that, you know. Yeah. Uh, Western Winds is super, super into level testing. It's like if you want to play level six, you better have done your level two, three, four, and five tests, or you ain't doing anything. Interesting. And we've we've actually found that like doing level tests. Our park is so good on their ability. Like, yep. I can solo reeve 45 people because I don't have to worry about abilities. Yeah. Because almost everyone knows their stuff. So, I'm going to side out of this. We're, we're going to, sorry, Quan, we keep breaking <laughs> off of your list of things. Um, so, uh, do your level tests, are they like a once per park day thing or are they a multiple times you can take it through the, the park day and try to pass it? You can take it. Uh, usually, most people will, will like try once, and then they're like, "Okay, I'll come back next week." But I've had a couple people where I think the most I've done is three for one person in one day. But yeah, for me personally, when I'm doing tests, it's, yeah, if you want to come in, I'm not busy, or like we're not trying to set up games and everything. Yeah, I'll do one person like twelve times in one day until they get it right. Okay, so it's less of a block and more of an opportunity to make sure they learn what they're missing. Okay. Exactly. The, especially because I do all mine in person. So it's like, hey, uh, as a healer, can you give Harden? Sorry, not Harden. Can you give Bless Against Wounds to a warrior with Harden? No. No, because they'd have the, the other enchantment. Harden. Harden Harden is a protection enchant. Yeah. Would be the reason why. Shaft, yes. Yeah, Shaft gets it because, right. Because uh, Blessing Against Wounds does go, doesn't count towards your enchantment slot. But neither but does be the warrior's Harden. But you can't do it a blessing as long as something yes. has protection. That's something that has protection. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then you build on that, and it's like you go on and go on. So you make 
especially at the lower levels, they make these small little corrections. So when they get to level six, it's not like they're struggling to understand a spell list. They'll understand how their class works, how other classes are going to work with it, and like making sure that all their incants and stuff are good to a T. I like that style of level test much better than yeah. what I've heard other... Uh, what I was initially told a level test was, which was a once-a-week test that if you failed, you just couldn't play class that week. Like, you couldn't play that level. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. ours is if you fail the the, uh, the test, then you don't get to play that level. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I've only ever failed three people in five years of testing. As long as you're, like, real forgiving about giving yeah. a test, you were like, is that really the reason? Yeah. You, like, and you then, look at them significantly, like, hmm, maybe not. Yeah. And then you use that, every time they mess up, you have to use it as a teaching point. It's like, oh, uh, what do you mean uh, poison does, like, never goes away? It's like, you can't just have wounds kill for free at level two on your enchantments, oh, Bruid. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a level six ability, and it is so good. Um, okay. Back to monks. Quan, what else would you uh, have wanted to learn at the beginning? Um, for the most part, you can ignore when people just decide to yell at you and point and say nonsense. <laughs> which they will do if they think that you're a brand new monk or a stick jock, because they're like, if we just yell at them, they'll run away. It happened a lot. And yeah. it was rude. It's, you have to understand uh, when to blow the raspberries back at them. So... Yep. They did specify that you can't imitate casting without actually casting somebody, which then brings in the fun problem of stutter casting, which then you're like casting a spell, stop, spell doesn't go off, and you never finished it. It, I am an, I do that because I'm a dick, um, <laughs> but I only do it to players I know can deal with that problem or we're at keep or something like that where I'm going to sh- show off and stun. Stutter casting is definitely a feature that a lot of paragons know about. Yeah. It still sucks to be on the receiving end of. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I ran around <laughs> just chasing one barbarian. Like, hey, I've got a heat weapon for you. You've got only a pole arm. <laughs> I chased him 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, oh, because he kept going at one side of the line. So I followed him like, ah, you don't know. <laughs> you're not going to do that. <laughs> But I'm also good friends with him, so I knew that Being he wasn't going to be super mad. So, okay, so uh, knowing that being lied, when people say you don't need to know magic is a lie, because that's not true. You need to know almost more about magic than a ravenous yeah, person, because you need to know the specific things about magic, right? So, um, so I kind of disagree with that, just because um, you need to know the acceptance, right? What are the things that affect me? And it's basically like heat weapon, shatter, pyrotechnics. And if you don't have any enchantments, that's it. Uh, yeah, tracking. Uh, if you're if you have a reason to go in substantial, yeah. but you only get that through an enchant. Well, I guess you you could be teleported, but right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other things that I would have loved to have known when I started out are good things for me to take instead of just lame things that people are like, oh yeah, sure, we'll give this to you, like. Oh yeah, knowing what knowing the kit. Like I would go around, I just like I just want to be immune from flame, and they're like, okay, we'll just do that for you then. I'm like, oh thanks. I think I get to uh, be playing from the privilege of 
anything I would have wanted to know mostly was all actually taught to me. So I didn't have to like have the lack of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, God, that is a tricky thing with monk because you are such a target for enchantments that without knowing what they're giving you, you're almost having to learn other people's classes to figure out what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's rough. That's uh that's hard. Um well I think that's part of any I think that's part of most classes is figuring out what like what you want from your teammates. True. Especially the the, the melee classes. Yeah. I mean, barbarian excluded, of course. But <laughs> well, uh, we do hitting with stick. <laughs> yeah. Especially with how monk has just often been like, new players get monk. They just mm -hmm. play monk. So mm -hmm. they're always just like, here, take this enchantment. I'm like, I don't know what this does. They're like, we don't. What do you really mean? Have to learn we'll magic now? Ten seconds <laughs> feel on it though, and good luck trying to remember everything I just said. Okay. Yeah. That is. I don't have a good answer for like how to figure out how to, because it is it is a thing that we hand monks to new we hand the monk class to new players very rapidly, and then. Mm -hmm. We tell them get good real quick, and then try to shove like, "Hey, you have like canthropy now," and then tell them nothing. Like, yeah. yeah. Or it's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this thing. You're gonna get some armor and wounds kill, and you have to remember that, even though you've never had to use that before in your life." I, I would. I mean, that's the, that's the case point. with any enchanting anyone, though. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. And so, like, I, I think that in some ways, like, monk is. I think I still think monk is the best for new players. Because, like, you have this kit that's pretty solid where it's just, like, there's three things that affect you to begin with, and we can add on the other stuff later. And so whoever's enchanting you is like, okay, now you're getting some armor. We're going to give you, like, some bark skin or whatever, easy one. Mm -hmm. Or we're giving you some stone skin. Okay, now this is, like, only takes one point per. And, like, mm -hmm. like it's... it's Monk feels like it's, it's, of all the classes, it is the one that has... It layers you into bro the broader amp guard meta uh, the softest. In my opinion. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I know at, uh, at our local park, we have the three, the ugh, four starting classes. Now we actually starting to do four. Mm -hmm. You either start Assassin, Scout, Barbarian, or Monk. Yeah. I... Scout is actually the one we actually push the most because they get Heal, Release, which are the most, like, I think they're the most used spells. I would be casters. surprised if they're not. Uh, yeah. I mean, heal is is got to be highly used consistently. Yeah. Um, yeah, heavy throwings, which are really useful, used against used through three classes. Mm -hmm. You can use a bow, which is used through four. You get a small shield, which is always useful. I think it's four or five. It's four. And then uh, you can wear armor if you're into that. So it gives them a crafting opportunity either shield weapon or armor or arrows and stuff and they can find their niche a little bit easier oh do i want to learn how to do like great weapon fighting okay maybe i'll go barbarian for that one i'll make like javelins whatever and then just slowly go from there and then assassin's just you have a lot of get out of jail free cards if you like using flow maybe look at doing this barbarian you want a medium shield you want to hit thing with stick there you go hit mm -hmm. thing with stick monk oh you don't like you like you have a hard time learning all of the spells. Well, how about we do this? We'll give you this. We'll give you either flow or a great weapon. After a great weapon course, mm -hmm. you have a great weapon course for a reason. Yeah, handing new players <laughs> pole arms is uh not 
my favorite thing to do. In, <laughs> uh, in one year, we had two people with like almost serious concussions. So we're like, you know what? For now on, any new player that wants to use a poll, doesn't matter where they come from, they have to go to a vet and get vetted if they can use a poll or not. And a reef can take you out of the game, like that pull out of the game, any point in time. I would throw flails on that list too, because that I've seen quite a few headshots with flails that are less savory. Yeah, I, but, but the thing is, you don't have the mass true of, well, of the pull. It it depends on your flail. You don't have the lever. You don't have the lever yes. of a yeah, pull. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think with flails, I find it it very greatly depends on the construction of the weapon. Whereas yeah. Even with my, you know, bamboo eight foot, I could probably dunk someone real hard in the head and give them a concussion. Yeah, and up um, here, a lot of us use bandshot pulls, so it's like yeah. you gotta be. Yes, yeah, those those don't band shots are pretty common. Yeah, they. Uh, I have a band shop that's like six years old that has been through basically hell. Uh, and the core is perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah, I use it for a speed pull. I put the uh, the fiberglass core in the tip, and then that's the the striking surface, and then everything else mm -hmm. is basically handle. And yep. I've gone through five, four or five cores on the tip, but the the band shop is solid, never gonna break. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now it's gonna yeah, break think, this weekend, of course. I think my band shop is on its third like refoaming. Get band shop guys, it's perfect. worth it. Um, Except they don't sell eight foot anymore. That's a only problem. Sell se yeah, they only sell seven foot. I thought I just bought an eight foot this point. <gasps> they uh, they stopped carrying, like, they stopped making them. Uh, I think it was last, like, September or the September before that. There's still eight foot supplier. around here and there, but the actual manufacturer only does seven and six now. Interesting. That's a weird. I don't know why they make band shop for real life. For amp guard, I know. Flank poles. <laughs> there. It's uh, flank poles a lot. Band. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So they need to get back to our standard of having eight foot poles and, and yep. potentially 10 well, foot poles and bigger. I mean, with, with, <laughs> with your construction design of like having a, uh, like a fiberglass rod insert mm -hmm. for your tip, it, seven foot's fine, right? Like, yeah. I think mine's like five and a half or six. Yeah, the the optimal length for most people for pole arm is probably between like seven feet and eight and a half feet. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, eight eight foot pole arms aren't necessarily required. True, and eight, it's eight foot bench up at least. Right, and I mean, uh, so I was having this discussion with Jay today, uh, Sir Lily Sunshine, um, mm -hmm. about in larger battle games, I do really love my eight foot pole arm, and I'm guessing mm -hmm. you guys as monks really like your eight foot. If if you're uh you've been to keep and seen the fifteen foot pole arms, you love those because they're ridiculous and stupid <laughs> and can hit people from like twenty feet away if you've got a five foot uh <laughs> wingspan to jump. Um mm -hmm. but once you start getting to smaller parks where you're talking like thirty, thirty-ish people on the field, that eight feet is almost too much, it kind of feels like because you people are closing in on you much faster. You don't have that shield wall as a defense. And I think that six foot or six foot weapon becomes much more effective in that closer range to still be dangerous at range, but you're not having to deal with backtracking as much because you're, you know. So my experience with that is that it's it's more of it's the weight. The weight is the problem, and so like that's where you run into the problem with your band shop cores, right? Like mm -hmm. an eight foot band shop core weighs a lot. 
But if you got if you have an eight foot like a uh, bamboo core, like kind of a minimum, like not a great weapon build, I can wield that just you can wield that just as easily in close range because it's easy to choke up. It all it's all very it flows very easily because it's so much lighter mm-hmm. than uh, than your bandshot cores, which is big and bulky and meant to last forever. True. Yeah, we uh, up here we categorize it as war pole and then pole pole, pole because yeah. pole pole is gonna be just like your every like your everyday use one. So mm-hmm. like it, like a lot of them use bamboo, so it'll work for a long time. You don't have to worry about it being super abused and but doesn't have the sheer weight of your like your bad shop eight foot where it's like oh hey this shield user in particular i don't want him to fucking move i'm gonna hit him right in the middle of the shield (laughs) or you pair it up and you're like i'm going to like i don't care that you've built a very stout like steel core shield let me hit the outside of it with my war pole and my buddy with the speed pole still gonna stab you in the guts like yeah welcome to being moved (laughs) now Quan, you have an opportunity that the rest of us don't have, which is the fact that you live in Tennessee with invasive bamboo. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You and I, I have some bamboo that is drying, but I, my main weapon is a six and a half foot pole. I'm, I don't like to use big poles. No, I'm is five that the two and six? And you've probably seen photos of it. It's, it's that big uh, one with the uh, the big blade on the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people call it a, a nayinata, I think, but it's actually uh, 100% historically accurate to a Korean Waldo. Okay. Uh, Hell I'm yeah. Nerdy. <laughs> um, this nerd. Historically this correct has nerd. This my yes. main weapon for five years, and so far the phone's holding up, which is great because I accidentally made it to where it's actually technically an Omni, uh, but it looks like a flat. <laughs> Yeah. So oh, that's like my first. I love it. That was my um, first uh, pull too. I made a <laughs> inch and three quarter PVC pull with an Eva foam head. <laughs> it got the nickname "Brick on a Stick." Yeah. No. I can it's... make. I can make it echo. Oh. Oh no. It's ridiculous. Thankfully, the blue foam has started to get a little bit soft, but it's still got plenty of padding around the core, and I gave it so much room for a stab tip that I had to glue it back on because the glue that was keeping it onto the shaft came off, but it was fine. The foam was great. <laughs> that's uh, uh that's fantastic. But yeah, I'm I'm a shorter person, so I don't really want to have my weapon 5,000 miles away from me. Uh, I like to be able to control the shorter length a little bit better, and I decided to be a super nerd and make a really historically accurate weapon. Um, Please tell me you entered that in in some ANS tournament with like a full write-up of why it's a Waldo and not a Naginata. No. no? Oh my god. I've never entered it. You have to Come do that. Now. Like, I'm a bad person. You can do you can do two entries here. You can do one entry of the weapon and then another entry in technical writing on why the weapon is a Waldo, not an Aginata, which would be amazing. Because yeah. it's great. It's a gush. My knight got a lot of awards through just writing. Do more. I'm on my eighth Smith because of writing. Oh nice. Yeah. I've made like sixty-four pages of help documents. Oh help my god. Me. <laughs> yeah, no, I have I like I have one pulled up uh where it's a fourteen page on how to position yourself on the field. Ooh. Wow. You should link I, that I, to I, me and I'll get that in the comments. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. 
I, it was it was a dumb project. I'm like, oh, I'll do this in the middle in the morning before school. It should only take like a week of classes. <laughs> Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The things we do for a hobby that doesn't pay us. Yep. <laughs> Says the person it's that quiet. bought a camera and and a mic for for the hobby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I okay. was I was Kingdom KPM, so I spent a lot of hours working on this hobby. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, uh, shit, am I in year three or year two? I don't even know. Anymore. He's already what forgotten. Is... It's just, been, well, I mean, one of those years was COVID year, so, like, it True. hardly counts, but kind also, it, uh, it hardly counts, but also it was 10 years long, so. <laughs> it took forever. Yeah. Okay. No, right? Um, were there any other things you wish you knew at the beginning, Quan? Um... I think I covered most of the things that I wish I had known. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've done a very long loop. Sedge, what are some things you wish you knew at the beginning, or did we cover them all? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing was uh, throwy tech uh, in specific. Mm. So these are the yeah. throwies I started off with. Nice little sausage. That are Is just... that just sword foam? Yeah. Almost. <laughs> it's javelin. It's javelin courtesy padding that has a like pseudo core of uh, really tightly wrapped foam, so it doesn't actually bend that much. Cool. But the thing only flies 50 feet. And then, eventually I started making my own. I don't have any of my chakrams. I do have a boomerang. Nice. That I pulled up earlier. And this is silicone weighted. It's got extra courtesy padding and everything. And I can throw this thing at least 100 feet. Wow. Easy all day. Oh yeah, no, it, it soars. And my normal chakrams, I get from 60 to 75 feet and so my ability to affect players is just like hey you archer over there <laughs> welcome to a throwy to the bow and it, <laughs> it works and yeah so now knowing like and i still want to push throwy tech more after i build my crossbow so once i get to that point where it's just like i have a eight foot reach with my value weapons, I now have a 75 foot like arc in front of me. Anyone I see without a shield or not looking at me and their backs exposed is getting a throwy right to the side. Now, are your chakrams hollow in the middle? They have like a, a hole in the middle so that you can hook them yeah. to something really easy. Do I you... put them on my, my. Okay, that was going to be my next question. How do you carry them on the field? Because that is uh, the ultimate problem compared to light throne. Light throne, you get a little bag on the side and you can carry. 50 um the heavy throne is a lot more problematic because you're looking at you know yeah they're chunky you're looking at some I've, nintendo switch style stuff yeah i've seen some pouches one of the things i've seen is with chakram is uh like the, the multiple frog where it's basically like one really long strip of leather that like goes down your leg and then like it's like a lip uh, a loop with a snap is riveted periodically and you can get like three oh. or four like kind of down your leg that way Oh, that is neat. I like that. That's really simple, too, if you've got the leather work and some snaps. Yeah, yeah, it's like three or four rivets and the, a comparable number of uh, snaps. Yeah, oh, I just make sure my, my chakras put on my arm. Mm -hmm. And then, but, when you do that, your chakras can't technically block a shot. True. So if that shot would have been en route to your arm, you still have to, you have to take it. Yes. Which is some things that people have messed up on. But most of the time, my chakrams don't last long enough for me to 
Yeah. Like I've actually carried like, like just like a start my body just just ripped them. Once they're on the field, they're on the field. You can pick them up and throw yeah. them again. They're yeah. not done. Um Yeah. I usually end up with a single heavy thrown out there. So like I got my pole arm, I just like heavy thrown, I'm ready to like whip it at someone. I whip it and then it's like now I don't have to think about it anymore. And I can pick it up at some lull in the battle or if I'm just close to it. But right. Yeah. What I like about using a lot of heavy throwers is if I saturate one area, I can sanctuary to that area, grab all of them because since heavy throwing yeah. uh, is indestructible, they can't like walk over and spell ball mm-hmm. them like like or... say if I drop my pole behind the line, mm-hmm. but yeah. I can grab all these <laughs> all these heavy throwings and just like mm, welcome to the back buffet. Who gets <laughs> the throwing weapon in the back? Yep, that's another good use of sanctuary. It's just like oh, there's a uh, a thrown weapon over here that I'm gonna just like pick up and like oh look i'm behind them he's whipping in their back <laughs> yeah i picked up a weapon i'm no longer in sanctuary that's right. why that's why you cheese it really bad if you have a really good friend that's a wizard you get persistent void touch as a monk god everybody wants <laughs> void touch seriously more wizards need to take that spell it is so good there's only one reason why i love it and it's the cheesiest way to play monk is what i found you go to the sanctuary you walk into the back of their field you just walk around. Make sure you're outside of 20 feet of, of their base, of course. Mm-hmm. You just walk around. And then when a dead player is walking towards you, or near someone, or if you can intercept between them and the healer, you walk over and steal mm-hmm. life, charge your sanctuary, and go back into sanctuary, mm-hmm. run away. <laughs> <laughs> it is the cheesiest way to play, but it is so much fun. You're also immune to uh, all of the, the, like, if you actually use that uh, shadow step, you're immune to everything except the tracking and demag. So you're just like, hmm. Dimensional Iker? Don't care. Immune. Don't care. I'm immune to magic from sorcery. I'm also immune to things outside. Oh, my God. All right. Every time we bring up a combo on this this Paragon um, series, Void touch comes up because you throw it at most classes and they're like, oh, I have a great combo with that. And nobody can takes it. And I get so yeah. frustrated because it's like, yeah, That's hey. It's persistent as level six for, and not per, see, and not per life for wizards. I no, I don't think it's per life. But it doesn't matter. They only have like three enchants anyways. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've got vampirism, uh, contagion, and void touch. And void void touch. touch. Yeah. Contagion. Uh, uh, ward self. Oh, whatever the yes. ward self is. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to persist in that, so. Can you? Technically, I mean, yes. You can, but it literally has no value because <laughs> it stops the first thing that hits you, so then it goes away. So it yeah, just, including okay. verbals. Yeah. All Whereas, right. like, because that, like, I mean, in the side, as Scout, like, I've carried uh, adaptive, like, by having Golem, I've carried my adaptive blessing through lives, but just because I didn't get hit by that thing. But with War itself, it's just, like, anything that hits you is going to right i didn't think so. pop it off yeah um that makes sense all right is there anything else that you wish you knew at the beginning sedge uh no i think everyone else uh like talked about like make, like learning how to use sanctuary really well like uh, mm-hmm. repositioning as well as an, as the oh fuck button and then uh how much recharging sucks <laughs> oh, what are you talking about recharging is fine you just have to get really good at saying an incant 30 times in a row um, and not the recharge spell. Love the recharge spell. <laughs> Resurrect and sanctuary both times ten. Disgusting. Oh, cease. Uh, literally one <laughs> of the lines. Sanctuary is just five, times five. Yeah, one of the lines yeah. I have in uh, 
I, I freestyle rap when I do my song of power is if you have a charge times 10, <laughs> don't charge it. Come get a high five um, <laughs> because there's no point in you taking the time to even charge times five. If I'm doing song of power, I have a confidence for you. It's infinitely faster. <laughs> Stop charging <laughs> charge yeah. times tens. Stupid. Um, so. Oh, there's also one more thing I just remembered. Being able to fight while you're casting heal. Because it's yeah. EX. Oh. So if you get legged, like someone legs you, you can fight and cast your heal. You have to make sure your cardio is good, but you can do to... it. Being able to cast and fight at the same time is a skill that takes time and practice and sucks. Yeah. It is so it's hard. hard. And it's it's basically bards, like scouts get an EX and monks get an EX. I think that might be... Everything is longer than... As... Yeah. Well, everything uh... else is like, you can't combat cast. Yes, um, because the bards you get the combat caster, but none of them, unless you tag ambulant on top of it for bard, you still mm -hmm. have to keep your feet planted, which is uh, less. Yeah, you fun. still have to keep your feet planted for uh, for monks, for right? Stuff. It's, it's but you don't have to have a free hand. No, the free hand is a definite benefit, but it's real hard to pull off the entire heal spell while not moving your feet and fighting. Um, yeah. especially at close quarters. I mean, if you got the pole arm, it might not be as bad, but then mm -hmm. you're probably one arming a pole arm or you're posting. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Get good at casting things while fighting. That's a, that's a yeah, good skill. Understand the rap to. battle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chaos incarnate is what verbals are at large events. Nobody hears Correct. them. Um, Okay, so because this took almost 40 minutes of our conversation, I'm going to go over this. <laughs> this three things we wish you knew at the beginning. Uh, know how to use Sanctuary. Know that they lie to you when they tell you you need to not know magic because you do need to know magic. Um, learn kits that other players can give to you. Um, I think an easy way to do that is like go find your Paragon Druid or Healer or Wizard and mm -hmm. ask them what they think is best for you. And then remember those things, because or other Paragon monks. Yeah, or other Paragon monks. Well monks are going to know what monks need. Right. Um, if you don't have a Paragon monk you're working with, go ask a different Paragon. If you have no Paragons you're working with, um, go ask players that play those classes to try to figure out what's going to work best for you. Um, uh, throwy tech, and I'm missing the first one you said, Quan. Oh jeez, that you're not effective pretty much until level six. Like you don't get. Like, it feels cheesy that you have to wait till level two to get heavy throw number one. Yeah. And then level six is when you finally get to block magic balls. Yeah. That. Oh, but you get to big dick blocking magic balls so, so well, though. Yeah. It's yeah. so worth being a level six capstone. But yeah, it does suck to do that grind. It's. Yeah. I mean, I think most classes. I take that back. I have three classes I'm specifically sitting at level five in because I don't see a point in getting to level six because I don't play them enough and their abilities mm -hmm. aren't amazing. So, uh, yes, I would agree. Being being a level five monk, up to level five monk, you're going to feel real wonky and weird because you have, like, you have most of your kit, but you're still missing one of your big things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The monk power spikes are two, three, and six. Yeah. Which yeah. is, that's a super long wait. Because, I mean, two is really easy. It's, what, five weeks or something like that? Um, yeah. or, or less if you have fighter practices. But mm -hmm. uh, 
six is a full year almost unless you really yep. go hard that's still up to six months of time that you're kind of not getting a what feels like a bump um yep. so so kings hand out more bonus credits so your monks don't feel useless there you go um <laughs> so everybody right. doesn't feel more useless yeah yes i mean the only ones that don't feel unuseless that feel useful there we go i can do words um i went to school uh warriors you feel real useful a lot at level one yeah. and basically can kick butt for a while with that like the the ancestral armor at the end is amazing but mm -hmm. they get six points right off the bat and scavenge because it's unlimited is probably one of the best abilities in the game and everything in between is kind of gravy like it's not it's extra yeah important parts of the kit just because like the six arm the six points of armor is like what the kit's about with yeah. warrior and like insults nice shake it off nice uh medium present. shields are are also good yeah <laughs> yeah, Positive yeah. That. well large too if you want mm -hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> well my friends made a large round like max large round <laughs> why <laughs> it's so you weirdly do it? you can i was like a chode standing behind it because it's just a little head I have a friend who yep. made one out of uh, cardboard, like very stiff, like cardboard. Oh yeah, the industrial uh, cardboard. Yeah, yeah, it's a punch. So it's a punch large. It's ridiculous. It's not terribly <laughs> no. useful, but it is ridiculous. So there, I'm going to mention it here because I don't think I mentioned it on the other classes that you can do this with. But technically, our rules state that the profile of your shield is what counts as size. This means two things: you can make a shield that can stand by itself. And you can make a shield that is literally a U-shape from the top down as long as no profile of it is bigger than two by four. Do with that what you will. Make yourself a shield that is just a barrel. You can make <laughs> yourself a barrel shield. <laughs> Technically. Hold it in one hand and just have a Slowly turn it. Just wear it on like straps. You're just like naked guy in a barrel. Call me a warrior. <laughs> this I've got is so lids. ridiculous. I... I dislike that the rule says profile. I understand why it says profile, but it is ridiculous when you can walk on the field with a shield that you can put down as a field prop. Like, so it's a pad shield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've gone through three things you wish you knew. Uh, common mistakes to avoid. Uh, let's start with Quan on this one. Oh, geez. Um... The biggest thing is don't immediately start running when somebody starts yelling and pointing at you. Don't do that ever. Don't don't just run away, please. It makes all of us look bad. Um, and pay attention to what your weapons are and where you would be strongest with with your weapons. If you have a pole arm, stick with your shield. Yes. If they're not going to be as brave as you, find a better shield. <laughs> <laughs> They need the balls to stay on the field with me. Come on. Yeah. And yeah. if you're gonna stand up in that in that shield wall, uh watch watch your face because sometimes people do have those 15 foot poles and they just use them like a pool stick. Mm -hmm. And you might get a concussion. So Yep. Fun Especially time. when you're five two. Yeah, you are like at the wrong height for that, because you are at like shoulder height for like larger people. Yep. Yep. And uh, cardio is apparently what we need to say with melee. It's cardio, cardio, cardio. I would say That's with every ones. class, like, just do cardio. You do better. It's, mm -hmm. uh, 
it's real hard to spell cast when you're out of breath. So, mm-hmm. yep. Cardio. Um, and use your reses. Help your team. Come on, guys. Yes. Those are all really... This class seems so simple, but there's so many things people forget to do because they're like, oh, it's just the ESOL class. It's, oh, it's just stick jock class. Stick jock class, obviously. Oh, God, a different I stick jock. So, so it can't be a stick jock class because you can't use a shield. All the stick jocks love their sword and board. That's, that's true. I don't know. I know a lot of flow stick jocks. Yeah, man. the flow stick jock or the pole stick jock. The, mm-hmm. the more rarer of the breed. <laughs> they're like, we don't want to learn magic, so we're going to run monk and flow. Uh, uh. Yeah. Stick jocks. Great. Learn the rule book. Please? Like pretty please, just for me. Um our our stick jocks play peasant, which is hysterical and great. <laughs> it is That's what Sir Gillen does at our field a lot. Yeah, Sir uh, Sir Das was doing that for a while too. <laughs> he was like I'm like the like we have one <laughs> one tenth warrior in Western Canada, and that's him. <laughs> so oh, he's just like, "What am I going to do? I'm just going to beat up kids with a single stick." <laughs> and I he mean, has a blaster. That, that's better than what I've heard some Texan uh, sword knights are doing, which is they pick up the bow and then get really good at that. So now you have them <laughs> deadly at range. You come close to stick them. They're like, "I'm a sword knight," and it's <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Welcome to the welcome to the pain train. Uh, welcome to my dojo. <laughs> that is also Sir Gillen and soon to be Sir Gun for Winter's Edge, our, our two warlords. Yeah. Yeah. So learn the abilities. Don't just play Stick Jock because it's not a class. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's also not Class C. Uh, I lost my train of thought. It exploded. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> Uh, common mistakes to avoid shaft. Uh, staying in sanctuary too long is the one I see from, especially from people who uh, play monk more than, like people who aren't necessarily newbies. You'll see them like, they just go in there and they're like, "I'm I'm in sanctuary." And you're like, "I know where your weapons are. You are completely ineffective." Mm-hmm. I had one game where uh, someone <laughs> have my uh, my enchant druid just like watching over our like the our pile of of MacGuffins <laughs> and like. There's a, a monk sanctuary, and she's like, I have a dagger. You have nothing. Like, what are you going to do here? And uh, so it's like a combination of that and just like any field where you're just like, I'm pretending to be useful, but you're just kind of like, you're kind of a tax on your team at that point where mm-hmm. you're just like, don't yeah, have a plan or what to nothing. do. Yeah. So if you're going to sanctuary, sanctuary with at least some idea of what you're going to do with it. Even if it is just like get out of jail free, I'm gonna go back to my base. I'm gonna pop back in. Like right. that's still an idea. Like you aren't actually controlling any of the battlefield while you're in sanctuary. Yeah, you have no threat. Pretty much, if you don't have any weapons on you, their weapons are either destroyed or they're not in the same area that you are. You have no threat on the field in mm-hmm. in sanctuary. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find a lot of people who don't have good cardio, they'll sit in Sanctuary for a long time, try and catch their breath back. And then, like, once they're, like, good to go like they were at the start of the game, and then they want to play again. It's like, (laughs) the objective is gone. It's on the other side of the field, buddy. It's moved. Um, Yeah. Once again, cardio. 
cardio, cardio, cardio. Mm-hmm. Feel, mm-hmm. feel good. Uh, other common mistakes. Um, Did you have any more uh, shaft? I, I guess the, um, I mean, it's less a mistake so much as just like, you know, carry a bundle of weapons out of the field because it's going to get heated or destroyed or you're going to leave it behind in sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So I guess a, a mistake then would be not having enough weapons. Yeah. Uh, I find this is something, and I, and especially for people that start as casters or really focus on being a caster, it's an entirely mm-hmm. different mentality to bring your arsenal to the field. Because when you play that caster, you obviously have to purchase every single weapon that you want to wield. Yeah. Specifically, it says wield, which means if you want to be smart, I guess, mm-hmm. you can bring six swords to the field and only wield one at a time. That's viable. Mm-hmm. Um, but for melee classes, just bring your arsenal. There's no point in not bringing your arsenal most of the time. Those weapons well, are going to get the, broken. And most of the caster classes have mend. Yes. Um, and if you're, uh, you're, yeah, if you're a barbarian, a monk, uh, a paladin, an anti-paladin, a warrior, any of those classes that have very large arsenals of weapons, bringing them to the field is a huge benefit for you and potentially your teammates, because if they run out of weapons or something happens, whatever, a, a pole actually physically breaks, you have other weapons on the field ready to go. Mm-hmm. As long as you're, you know, you're okay with them using it. So that's a other right. side effect. Um, yeah. Bring your arsenal to the field. It, it's very weird for me, because coming from a bard perspective, I'm always like, all right, this is my stick. That's my backup stick. This is my board. I got, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shaft over here. Shaft that I play within very close radius and he comes to the park a lot. He just walks on with a bundle of weapons and just <laughs> drops them and then walks back to base. Got my pole arm, got like two long swords and a short sword. We're going to put some here, some over here. And like, all right. Some whales here just because they're easy to hide. Yeah. Just bringing a couple swales because you want to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have any swales, but yes. You I just do disassembled that my swale. Like, I'm I'm legitimately hoping that we see monks and melee class like classes bringing just wagons of weapons to like large battle games. You actually have a couple archers who actually have like the little like fold out wagons that they carry behind them. It's just two buckets of arrows in them. <laughs> Do that and, with throwies. and their short swords. Do that with throwies. I've done that with so I've done it on uh, bridge battles before, where it's like I have we have like. Either it's militia or we have, you know, like warriors, monks, and where you just like roll in where you've got like three or four extra pole arms. <laughs> and so, like, one of them gets heated and you set it down and you pick up another pole arm. You're just like good to go. <laughs> it works. Um, yep. Any other common mistakes, Shaft? I, not that I can think of. No. All right, Sedge, common mistakes you see? Uh, the biggest one I see, like, because I'm on the Paragon Academy and I try and help a lot of the monks there. The biggest one I always see saying heavy throwing is bad. Heavy throwing is a wonderful duel. It is mm-hmm. super good. And once you actually start investing in that tech and learning it, and like like with my chakrams, I can reach out to bow distance. Mm-hmm. Once you start getting there, it's not just like, oh, this is a, some scrap foam that looks like a sausage that I'm throwing at people that doesn't bounce or anything. It's like once you finally start investing and in putting time into your kit, more options open up for mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think part of the problem is like uh large throne and and light throne 
thrown weapons and projectiles for the most part besides arrows haven't been like industrialized we don't have easy ways to buy them and their tech hasn't been looked at as like an efficient way to make money so people don't have easy access to them they have to make them themselves most of the time yeah oh 100 percent um i know we've got plenty of people that are like constantly telling us how to make these things but there's a lot of people in the game that just don't want to make it they just want to buy it and that's totally fine that that's that is your right to do if you have the money to do yeah. it but then we start it's missing out yeah to buy yeah. we just don't see thrown on the field we don't see i mean all the javelins that i've seen that were purchased are dag javelins because they actually use them on a very regular basis um mm-hmm. amped we don't use them nearly as much i started using some and they're fine but i think mm-hmm. out of the 12 javelins at park i've built 10 of them. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's just like oh no it's 15 now and i've built 12 of them mm-hmm. there's three javelins i haven't built and that's for the park <laughs> it's i think making and that's part of the job as the paragons and the people in the upcoming publishing your how you make your stuff i know mm-hmm. it's like sometimes trade secrets blah blah, blah but yeah. like making sure people know how to have access to these materials so that we're not just being like yeah we're playing half the class because we're not using any of that stuff. We don't want to play with it. That's not utilizing the class's kit. That's utilizing a part of the class. Yep. Um, which we talked about earlier. We want to say using the entire kit if you're going to be a paragon. Um, mm-hmm. Any other common mistakes? Uh, nothing I can see that people haven't already touched on. Cool. All right. So we talked about this a little bit, and I think the answer is going to be relatively unanimous on this but where does the monk fit on the battlefield roles positioning meta size of field changes i think we're going to change the size of field changes to weapon choice because that affects much more where you sit on the battlefield um personally i i had a a, a, a strategy and tactics class i ran with uh sir michael and sir raven and we built this little chart and monks were basically all the time second line they have in large battle games you don't have armor but you guys can get magical armor um, but you also have access to pole arms and heavy throne that second line is super effective for y'all um what is your guys take on that in opinion or, or do you think there's a different location you work better uh let's start with uh, um so i'm of the opinion that monks are kind of a flanking skirmishing role uh obviously you've got the you got right you got superior range to everyone who doesn't have like a real ranged option um and you don't have any armor to encumber you so you can get around pretty fast true um and then like the and so that's easy with a pole arm um the the one of the big differences i've seen is uh with uh if once you start getting into enchants especially if you get like a golem kit one of the one of the the biggest terrors i've seen on the field was uh uh peter the quick as monk oh, with God. like a golem you got a golem kid and like like stone uh stone skin so he's out there with like two sword and just like rolling lines um and so like in a sense you know once you get some armor and chance you can kind of be more of a like a shop trooper mm-hmm. um and uh i i i don't think amp guard necessarily fits as well into the the normal like first line second line yeah it's um, really just super large battle games we actually start seeing those lines and you don't really usually see much in the way of a second line even then. True. Um, like, I can't usually, like, stab through shields. So it's like, if it's shield wall versus shield wall, and I've got, like, 
a pole arm while I could try and stab through my shield line. I can't really get any good shots because my shieldman will get in the way of throwing anything more interesting. Right. Um, it's basically just stabbing. Um, so like, I don't, so like I said, I don't think that necessarily, uh, Amtar works to the multiple line, uh, mm -hmm. that you would be, you might be more familiar with if you like study military history or whatever. Right. Um, we don't work yeah. very historically because our numbers are terribly small compared to everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, you know, any line is going to have a flank, mm -hmm. turn the flank and, you know, and flank yeah, you don't make them. Yeah. Flank and flank. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's uh, probably what I have to say on positioning. Uh, Sedge, what's your take on the positioning? So most of the same thing with him. Uh, I find definitely your weapon choice will more dictate where you fit. If you're doing like flow, you're usually better on the flank just because you have quicker weapons. And mm -hmm. if you have throwies, you have throwies, you have throwies, you can then pressure in with someone and then get wonderful, juicy side shots with uh, with good throwies. Uh, pole arm is good with the front shield if uh, if you're park is making that just because you can abuse other like the other team's shield wall with especially if you have a war pole you just become a bully mm -hmm. uh if you have a uh, really good heavy throwing attack you can kind of second line which where like i think of the second line as so you have your your front line then you have like that pocket of mm -hmm. where it's just weird spellcasters and then behind that's the archers which i call the back line yeah in that pocket if you've got really good throwing tech and you have a bunch of it you can still pepper the enemy spellcasters. Yeah, the. So I think we called that artillery at in the the class. I'm gonna see if I can pull that um, yeah. diagram up. So I'm not just like abstractly talking about a diagram that you guys have never seen before. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll send this to you. Quan, uh, what is your take on the positioning? that it's going to depend on your weapons uh since i run mainly a breaking crushing pole uh i'm definitely up there with the shield wall trying to break and crush the other team's wall for the most part or if i see something hinky going over there like i see a sneaky archer over on the other side then i'm gonna go and run them off and just try and block whatever i can from the back side of my teams so i think it's it's Definitely, you've got it pinned down pretty good. So that I guess you said the second line is kind of where that would be with breaky, crushy, stabby people, and right. flank. Almost like a counter flank as well. If you're on mm -hmm. that second line, you're playing defensively mm -hmm. to help protect that pocket or your your tertiary line back by your resource. Yeah, um, yeah. and I know me personally at keep. Uh, when we were on the attacking side, a lot of our players went and jumped the hay bale. So I stood on the other side of the hay bale and they tossed me their arm when they were dead and I had the battery bar charging me and I was blocking arrows and rezzing people on the other side of the hay bale. Nice. And that was the perfect spot for me. It was the craziest game. They are always chaotic. Um, from... I want to go one day, but it's a far, it's a far I, drive. It's a little bit of a drive <laughs> for you, I would say. Um, it from from playing to to Oregon, it was twenty six hours. Oh my god, boy, get a just get an airplane <laughs> ticket, seriously. <laughs> um, 
but from like writing and playing uh keep games are it's really hard to describe the chaos of a 100 v 100 battle game without actually being in it um it's something i'd love to see everyone have the opportunity to participate in but due to the fact of distance and like organizing that many people I, it's going to be very hard for us to continue that kind of uh uh that size scale. of an event yeah that scale and get it to local places that people can actually reach instead of just being like hey the midwest hosts it and you need to get a plane ticket to get here because like it it's really hard and i mean this is a hobby we can't spend all our money on it i mean we can it's just I, financially we don't recommend it um uh with those huge battle games do you guys think the monk well we'll just do pretty easy comparison does the monk change power or its meta positioning essentially like its place in the dangerous line uh based on a small field to a large field or is it pretty much the same the whole time um you guys feel free to jump in whenever on this one i think it once again depends on what weapons you're running if you're running flow flank is usually your best in either small or large just because you have that especially if you have cardio <laughs> if you have the cardio to to run the flank really hard and, and get and get deep the big thing with monk is if you're really good at spell ball blocking no one's got to stop for you if you can f find their uh, their very squishy, delicious casters, you can just run in as hard as you can and just abuse them. And mm -hmm. if it's, say, like a battery like healer circle, you get to go beat up people with daggers. And that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're basically defenseless. <laughs> you get to laugh at them. Like, I have, like say, like two long swords, and I'm just going... But if you have a pole, um, you're going to be in the thick of shit. You'd be fighting with, uh, with your shield wall, with your expressions together that you know how to how you're fighting, and you can like say, because um, we had a sixty v sixty when I went to pack war, and so I tried fighting with just my friends. We knew how we were fighting, so we were able to just push that one side really hard because we all trusted each other. And we knew, um, we knew what we each other was gonna do. Team, working with a team without I wish Ampguard had better team fighting on a more consistent level because we are moving mm -hmm. away from it um, mm -hmm. but that team is makes the dream work it does it literally does and it it's a lot harder it's a lot harder to deal with a team of people that work together um, than it is to obviously work with a single like to, to deal with your things by yourself because you don't have yeah. every answer obviously um yeah like uh a nihilist actually i think it was a nihilist they had this crazy thing they did a whole u of uh warriors with imbue shield and then had a pocket of healers in there and they just were sending ums and gums out of it it was just <laughs> the, the cardio nation and it was interesting and i think they like they controlled the whole right flank like the mm. our right flank mm. for a long period of time this is we had no one to deal with it it's like Hey, anyone have a sphere of annihilation? And they're like, <laughs> we still think fireballs engulfing wounds kill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that in bigger games, the the power the power definitely changes. Uh, small fields, uh, because I think for monk, what makes you really dangerous is the enchantments, right? Like, 
Um, because my my favorite build as monks still today is gummy attuned imbue weapon on a polearm, and it's just like I can kill anyone. I don't even need to shoot for anything important. I'm just gonna snipe legs and I'm going to kill everyone. Um, and also they're not going to stop me because if like I mean, yeah, they might kill they might knock me insubstantial, but then I'm in a full sprint away from whoever's trying to dispel magic on me. Uh, they're not going to get that off before I'm outside 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unless you have the cardio scout chasing, doing tracking. Yeah. That one's I mean, scary. Yeah. Well, I also feel like tracking is a much shorter like uh, thing. But like in my experience, uh, scouts are most co- are the most commonly bad at their class. Um, and so like getting tracked is not nearly as common as as it, as it should be in those situations. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, it's just like, I can run around, terrorize their field, like get hit by something, anything, just boogie. Cause I'm insubstantial. Um, and like still have, because I never died, I still have imbue weapon. And so like functionally I get to spend the whole battle game with imbue weapon. Um, and like that, and so like that requires me to have, um, both a uh, someone who's has gummy and also a druid who's to give me an attuned imbue weapon so like and that's not necessarily the case on smaller fields but once you get to larger fields it's significantly more common and i am i will i'm absolutely shameless about it where i'm just like all right looking for a necro healer yo (laughs) oh yeah i'll be your gummy yeah all right now i need a druid (laughs) gotta advertise yourself i mean i very regularly ask people I know are playing a specific class for specific enchantments, especially when they're building lists. Like if I know yeah. that I'm playing um, one of my lists I call hype man, which is basically I'm playing a hyper support for an assassin. Uh, I give them a bunch of extensions so that they can use assassinate at 20 uh, at 50 feet. Cause I think it's hysterical. <laughs> um, Coup de gras at 50 is so funny. It's just outrageous. It's ridiculous. But that kind of build, I'm not looking for like armor or anything. I'm looking for, uh, like extra ability to cast weird stuff. Like I'll ask for a gift of fire with that, and just yeah, take it. Get extra spicy. Um, yeah, have an extra ability to throw on things. I'm just being a straight support. If you know what you want, and that comes back to what Quan said, if you know what you want, go get it. Go ask for it because it is mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Um, I found the file. Sorry, it's being my computer is deciding to be a little slow. It doesn't help them running like four programs on it currently, but you know, uh, it's definitely not. No, it's not that at all. Heck that. <laughs> yeah, Percy. Um, I'm gonna jump into the the field size, um, and say that it's gonna also depend a lot on what the objective for the game is. Because if it's something that we're trying to move up and down the field, I'm probably gonna be the one that grabs it. Because I can easily toss my weapons aside for the most part, and if it's something that it makes you fragile. I can block a lot of projectiles. I can block all the magic balls, and I'm gonna snag that. And it'll also depend on if it's a super small game, like it's just ten players total on the field. Like it's gonna depend on what they have on the other team. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't have any archers, then I don't have to worry about trying to watch out and watch my back and everybody else's back, and I might be doing something a little bit different at that point yeah monkey is a very good objective class MacGuffin or retrieved mcguffin 
-hmm. very easy to just be like, all right, I you know I'm unencumbered. I have I have the ability to block yeah. if if I can carry with one hand. Yeah. And so I'm just gonna like grab it and I'm gonna boogie. That's yeah. true. Um I was surprised. Well, okay, actually I'm not surprised. That's right. Um sorry, my brain just went through several quick changes. Um I have I have to remember this a little bit. If I remember correctly, in the beginning, Phoenix League, before um, people really understood what the volatile class or the volatile effect was, Monk was the go-to runner for your class or for your team. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, not being affected by shoves and awes, especially at the beginning, because Bard was king at the beginning. Now it's like second tier or whatever. But Phoenix League, monks are really nice. Um, just not as ball runners anymore because the volatile kind of takes that away. But in Phoenix League in small team, you're just immune to the bard straight up entirely. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the command and control pushing around, the the field manipulation, you just straight up ignore it. And if you know how to work with your small team, you can be the tank in a battle game with no armor. It is so cool. Um, it's Definitely. something... It's, it's definitely a different thing than I was kind of expecting when looking at the Phoenix League like layout and what it does. Um, mm -hmm. It's like you expect a warrior to be a tank, but it takes a lot of time. Like the warriors got to keep running around and doing things, and that's a lot of wear and tear on that person. Mm -hmm. That monk, you guys are going to sprint around the field with no problem because you have no armor on, and if a, a druid really wants to tap you with some armor, swift iron skin, boom. Great. <laughs> Happy time. Mm -hmm. Yep. That small field makes it very different. And Phoenix League is a very specific small field because, you know, there's a bunch of unusual rules. And uh, thank you, Wunjo, for making the game. It's great. Um, but uh, it's a very specific kind of battle game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, recommended tactics. We talked about it a little bit. Quan, you said counteracting um, or, or targeting people that are targeting your pockets and weaknesses and things like that um is there a specific class you go after with that or is it more a strategic tactical uh kind of view you take on what your targets are as a monk um for me a lot of the time archers like to try and be the bane of my existence because they hate me and the fact that i'm allowed to block them and so generally the first thing that tries to pick me off since i have a pole is a is an archer so I will generally be like, no, I don't feel like dealing with that today and go and chase them around for a little bit if they've decided to annoy me or uh, the other ones that really are better to go after is try and go after the wizards. Of course, they're going to, your casters are what you're, that's what you're supposed to be going after as a monk is go after those casters. Try not. I mean, you've got the immunity to the verbals. So like... let them get heat weapon off. Yeah, half the, yeah. the the wizards, the bards, uh, most of the druid stuff, um, healers. Yeah, basically, bards and healers get shove against. Uh, no, they don't get shove. Yeah, see, I'm thinking barbarians. They get nothing. Healers and bards get nothing, and then wizards and druids get heat weapon, and that's pyrotechnics destroy weapon. Yeah. yeah, shatter weapon. Yeah, shatter weapon. Those aren't taken very often. I mean, pyrotechnics and, and heat weapon very much are. I haven't seen shatter weapon and destroy weapon. Um, 
Oh, it's Shadow Weapon. I just is it Shadow Weapon? I haven't seen yeah. Shadow Weapon taken nearly as much. Um, I think I've think seen it once. Because it's... I think that one's Sorcery. Where, like, Pyro yes. ends up on some Warlock builds because you get the, the double uses out of the, the Flame School. True. Yeah. Yeah, that's It destroys everything. But... Wow. It destroys everything that can be destroyed. On your person. Yep. On your person. That one is easy enough to... Uh, like that one, you try and you make them say almost the whole thing, and you drop your weapons, and yep. they won't be destroyed because they're not on your person. Yeah, you pick them back up, and you're good to go. Whereas yeah. shatter weapon and heat weapon will still go off. It's uh, yeah. Plus, all your throws are immune to pyrotechnics because they're indestructible. Destructible. Yeah. So yep. the only one that's weird with projectiles is technically the javelin is in your hand, also a melee weapon, and then can be destroyed. But if it's on your back, can't be. Yes, because it has to be wielded in melee to be considered a melee weapon. Otherwise, yeah. it's a projectile, which is like javelin is the sanctuary <laughs> of projectiles. Yeah, that, that's what javelin I'm going to Javelin is what we like to call it. <laughs> it it doesn't make a lot of sense. I've we have a goblin ball game we played to last week, and the big ball, uh, if you weren't the goblin hit for siege and if you hit it with any weapon it counted as siege so i just kept throwing my javelins at it because they're indestructible when i throw them at it <laughs> like, it also did nothing because the goblin, no. did, goblin bomb didn't explode like it was closer to there's like a weird mix between goblin bomb and uh murder ball yeah it was weird but it was still entertaining to just keep throwing javelins at it because you could um yeah uh so going after those Going after the things you literally have the hard counter to is what you were talking about, Quan, because you have missile ball block. I keep combining those. You have missile block and ball block. They're two separate abilities. Um, and then ESOL. So, I mean, that's basically what the paladin said as well. You see a bard, go hit him because I have. What are they going to do? I have one. I have two spells for paladins as a bard. Uh, I have none besides stick for y'all um and armor the the real anti-muck is, is that point of armor i yeah. mean <laughs> true but if you've got a pole arm with crush break i don't normally have ancestral well also but i mean even just one point of armor will do true. it like it, exactly. the crush break isn't relevant so much as just like you're like all right i'm gonna eat that crush break on my arm i don't care i also have a shield block yeah. it a second time and you're good to go yeah, if, if you have the courage to rush the pole you'll pull Exactly. Which is what you should always do to pull arms. Always be closing. Mm -hmm. Courage always be pull. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, either the belt dagger or the dangling dagger or the uh, the weird thing that you can do when you have a dagger in your hand and a pole arm in the other hand and then you hold on to the pole arm with the dagger hand and you are wielding the dagger in this hand and wielding the pole arm in this hand works. Um, it's a little yeah. wonky. It is, is some jank. Yeah, but it works. And then you have a dagger. We have a, a, a knight up here that for open, he almost always plays pole arm with a backhand dagger. And whenever you come close, he's like a six, five tall man. He's a very big dude. He just yeah. downstabs you. With the dagger, because his arm, his shoulder is above yours, so he just stabs you. 
Um, Mostly, it's but, just weird because you have to you have to realize that he's not going to run away, right? No. Like every other pole arm, you rush him and they're going to like backpedal, right? Like that's how pole arm works. Yes. Um, but with him, he's just going to stand in place. He's just going to donk your dagger, which means you can just be like, okay, cool. I'm going to step inside the range of the pole arm, outside the range of the dagger, and just like throw anything because yeah, yeah. Um, but that is a thing that works because most people do are expecting that backpedal. They are expecting you to take those those steps backwards and not uh, engage with them in close melee. Um, something that I've been seeing get more popularity is the dangling sword or dagger where you've got a lanyard on your sword and you just have it strapped to your wrist. Somebody comes mm -hmm. close, you just pop it up and now you have a stick. Yep. Yep. I uh, see that a lot with casters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where I got my mine from. And then I was like, I could use this as like a monk or an assassin with a bow or like any class that needs an extra hand. Right. Also, it's tough, with, to make. it's tough with monk because you basically can you only have the one option if you sanctuary because you're probably not going to drop that like actually drop that dagger. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to go back to your spawn or to a friendly healer or to a friendly yeah. healer to release. Well, someone's, not healer, but friendly caster. Someone's got released or a scout. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, Sedge, what are some uh, targets you go after? So. On my field, we've got some really, really solid archers. So for me, it's always bow, caster no shield, caster with shield that I can't, that I can see their flank. Uh, on an armored, uh, like, fighter, usually we go, like, if I can fight them fl against their flow easily, I'll go against that. Mm -hmm. If they got a board, then I have to worry about that. And then last but not least is, if they've got a board and a lot of armor, I'm not fucking dealing with that. If it's just myself, <laughs> there's always I'll that have one other people build. deal with that. I've got more important things. Yeah, uh, I mean, every class has to have a weakness of some sort because otherwise, then it's just broken through it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you mean I can't do everything? Druid can. You just have to know how to make it do it, and it's yeah. stupid. It's overpowered. Um, mm -hmm. For like two or three lives. True, true. If it's a longer game, it becomes a little different. But I feel like the correct answer to that nonsense, Druid, is just have a wizard actually take fingers of death. Be like, hey, Druid friend, what's your enchantment list? Dead. <laughs> yeah, or, or even dispel. Wizard has a charge times three dispel. Yeah. Yes. Always bring dispel to the field because uh, y'all are Single running around. Point is always good. Yeah, you guys are running around with enchantments out the wazoo, and only mm -hmm. a couple spells work on you. Dispel is one of them, and we need it to to make sure y'all don't turn into invincible gods with four enchantments. And me as the bard <laughs> standing in the back, like, well, I played the wrong class today. <laughs> I remember there was one time where I had my my chopsticks out, and I had like imbue iron skin. Uh, I think you even had like regeneration golem. And I literally just grabbed them and just Beybladed at the enemy team. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. And just like, what are you going to do? It's like, I'm just spinning at you. If you kill me, I'm just going to come back. <laughs> if someone starts listing a paragraph of enchantments, dispel them. As soon as just, they say and, dispel them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you don't even need to get that far. You just as soon as they say golem, you're like, all right. I get out of here. <laughs> like, imbue weapon and. No, ah, go. <laughs> D-Mag. Um, I mean, if you're a wizard, yeah, but if you actually have, like, limited uses, you wait for those persistence to pop out and be like, no. 
Yeah. I see what you're doing with that golem here, and I'm having none of it. <laughs> Get out of here with your tomfoolery, sir. Um, uh, Chef, what are uh, some of your targets you go after? So I kind of view it as a... It's a lot of attacks of opportunity. Okay. Right? You see whatever is open. Um, and so sometimes that'll be like... like you know, it's not a good idea, but the, the juiciest target that I like is whenever you see a, a warrior that doesn't have full coverage, you're like, ooh, I see an elbow. I see a knee. Hmm, excellent. But uh, th- like I said, those aren't the good targets. The good targets, of course, are the, the mages and the archers. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you can just be like on the flank threatening to like run down the squishies, that can, you know, kind of like turn a flank. Just because like that, yeah. the, whoever is on the flank is going to be like, no, I'm not letting you go. And like, just like focusing on me means that someone else can, you know, throw shit at them. Yeah. I mean, threat, threat is a, a, a weird, it's not a mechanic, but it's kind of a weird, uh, yeah. Dynamic that is, is often overlooked by people that aren't thinking from a larger standpoint. I notice Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, uh, people build strategies around specific players as they should and have to sometimes. If you've got a warlord on one side and not on the other, you've kind of got to build around the warlord. But the idea of threat is very real and something you have to understand if you're going to try to be really tactical and mindful. And monks have a large threat range, even if they're not using a polearm, because you guys have a caster threat, specifically. Um, Yeah. Most of the time you see those bards, those wizards, those healers on those front lines causing large threat radiuses, and then you guys can just straight up counter it and just give us the middle finger and run us over because half of our abilities don't work and the other half aren't for you. Like, Yeah. (laughs) If you hit one caster, like you you sail that heavy throwing to their side and you kill them, like especially if you kill like their healer, Every other caster's like, fuck. <laughs> There's a monk that can hit us right now. It's like, because no one wants to get hit with a heavy throwing. They're usually, like, if you have the long distance ones, they're, they're, they're a chunky hit. Mm-hmm. So no one wants that. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a... It's an interesting dynamic that the monk gets to literally counteract the CC um, of the opponents. Straight up. They, yeah. you guys ignore it, you get to counteract it, which is a CC onto its own self. Yeah. And it, it, it very often I can, I've seen one or two monks that place themselves correctly and choose their targets well will just ruin a battlefield plan because they'll be like, oh, I see that these three bards are causing problems. Well, I'm going to go take care of two of them because they don't have an answer to me. Yeah. And, yeah. Five minutes later, yeah. your team is rushing through a hole in the middle because all of their CC's gone from that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you also get the um, it. It's kind of like negated as well because, like, there's definitely a lot of times where I've seen bards and do a lesser degree wizards who are just like out there and they're hitting everyone. Like bards will like take everyone with an off. Well, mm-hmm. they can't do that if there's a single monk, right? Like right. all of a sudden, your bubble of I'm walking and I'm completely untouchable is broken just by the existence of a monk. Yeah. Like the monk doesn't have to be good. They don't have to like actually be threatening, but just like they're there, they're not affected by your nonsense. And so you can't you can no longer do what you're planning on doing. What do you yeah. mean they can't shove or awe you away? <laughs> that was the whole idea the first time. Yeah. It it's a weird, delicate balance 
playing that CC class in the middle, especially with monks and barbarians on the field. Barbarians, we have a little bit of the answer to. We shove them or we terror them as a bard. If you're a healer, you can um, uh, shove them or stun them. Stun. Oh, I could stun them as a bard too, but yeah. I normally just play yo-yo with them and just keep making them run laps. Um, Cardio day. Yeah, monks don't have that problem, and because the way that defense bubble works for bards is they create an essentially an aura effect around themselves and make sure that no one can come within that air, that radius. If it's broken, the whole defense falls apart because they need to be able to pick and choose targets. And you guys have the ability to just pop that bubble without a question and yep. waltz right up to people and stab them. Yeah. Um, you can kind of get a similar effect with, uh, with wizards and like old person. Mm-hmm. Where if they, they can kind of like stretch out your line by hold personing and like especially if they have like someone else to like be threatening. Yeah. They hold one person, they threaten the rest. Now that hold person is isolated there, and you can kind of just stretch out the whole line that way. Yeah. And once again, you can't do that if there's a monk there. Yeah. You guys are a hard counter to a lot, which yeah. is uh it's a good thing you guys don't have more uh ridiculous abilities. Yeah. Yeah, we get sanctuary. <laughs> We don't get armor up. Like, could you imagine if monk with natural armor instead of heavy throws? Oh my How god! How dumb that would. Oh, look at his. Oh, the instant face change. Mm. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> I'm just thinking of so many weird things. If it's natural, oh my god! You can heal just like it. at life. Uh, barkskin. Yeah. Life no, barkskin. no, it's no. Fun. This is when we now bully Merrick. <laughs> <laughs> there's no point in playing most other classes if you start doing that <laughs> like druid already makes it useless to play like three classes don't make monk the reason to not play others <laughs> but like a natural we only need two classes in amp guard obviously well if we listen to flow we only need one but that's a different conversation oh don't bring up flow he likes barbarian and all three classes just like barbarian, barbarian with a dress on <laughs> <laughs> Oops, all barbarian. That was actually a problem with Western for a while. We had like we we're getting forty people, and like almost ten or twelve of them were barbarians. Ooh. They just run around sword and board. It's like why? So okay, so here is a question: because monk is one of the classes that new players are often handed, does a large concentration of monks start making the battlefield? Uh, almost harder for monks because now you're just basically sticking each other well it just turns into a ditch with no shields at some point yeah pretty much yeah and then whoever is that smart person with warrior with six points you're like ah i am a god <laughs> <laughs> like, come I here you all have, candy i see you all have crutch break full arms it'd be a shame if i had ancestral armor and a hardened shield <laughs> it'd be a shame if i also had mb weapon on top of that tasty morsels oh my yeah. god yeah, it's it's going to be mainly that all those new ones aren't going to be using their heels and their reses, and so it's just, then it's just a ditch with yep. three, with maybe one person that does know how to use heels and reses. And, and then it's like, weapons. what's an objective? Also, you, you got to have the obligatory one person who's obnoxiously sanctuarying in to know to another. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're like They're trying to sanctuary and like rap battle sanctuary going on. <laughs> I had to explain rules, but like I try and keep saying sanctuary, so like I'll explain everything. Like every like 
couple words as a sanctuary. And they're like, I don't understand it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting out of sanctuary, though, to explain things to you, sanctuary. Come on, <laughs> sanctuary. Get out of here, sanctuary. I'm going to leave, sanctuary. See you, sanctuary. And just leave. Uh, I like the sass part of that. I'd also oh, like I'm, to point I'm... out, you technically can just not leave sanctuary while explaining rules, because that part has been but built into our rules. But I know. Sass <laughs> is so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. I like, like I've had uh, casters like try and cast things at me. I just look at them like, <laughs> run away. <laughs> <laughs> if I can be a sassy monk, I'm always a sassy. It's my favorite thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, okay, so we've got target acquisition. Uh, we've hit this a little bit. How how do you guys use your missile and ball block effectively? Because I have played monk like. 10 times and i'm terrible at this like i basically am just selfish and just block it for myself and then that doesn't help anybody because i'm i'm not a warlord i'm not a great stick tag i'm whatever so how do you guys use missile ball block to be more than just a selfishly defensive person uh, let's start with sedge on this one <laughs> i use it selfishly only <laughs> but i put myself in a position where i am always at the front so if you're going to try and get a ball past me, especially if it's balls, because I'll swing at balls, mm-hmm. but like arrows or anything, if you're going to try and uh, get it past me to hit anyone behind me, I'm going to make it you work. For um, and then a big thing, though, is you also have to start training your hand-eye coordination so you get to that point where you're not like trying to track the ball to your hand and then go to the next one. You're just block, 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 block. Mm-hmm then eventually you can ascend to <laughs> catching behind you, which I've done before without <laughs> looking. Oh, that that's a fun story. The face on that, that poor was that uh, elemental barrage wizard was just absolute <laughs> per- perfection. But uh, the biggest thing is uh, because in our rule books, you can't like swing to, to a weapon. You have to passively block mm. your block distance is, your wingspan yes. pretty much unless you're able to like it's like soccer dive in the way and save the president <laughs> um the bigger your your bubble that you can protect in front of you the the better you're going to be so mm-hmm. just working on your hand eye coordination to a point where it's instead of an active skill where you have to look to the projectiles coming into your hands it's a passive skill or like oh i know this is blocking this 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 mm-hmm. It's kind of like being a goalie in hockey or soccer. You're you're actively uh, using your peripherals essentially to track where things are because hundred percent what where you're looking may not always be where the ball or puck is. Um, now with that, because I'm I'm going on a limb here, but geometry, you want to be more in the front to create a wider yeah. uh, blocking area. Okay. Yeah. So if you know they're like they're a very like spell ball projectile and arrow heavy team you want me more in the front or at least in front of the people that can't protect themselves from it so if you have like a, a big flank with no sword and boards like it's like the flow flank then you want to be there able to protect them and have okay. them behind you and then go and unleash the flow fighters <laughs> unleash the flow fighters <laughs> oh it's so much fun uh now you have uh, your polearm has a little bit of a wider section on it. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, I would not say it is close to the paddle rule thing of like, I built a pole with a big fat fan to block projectiles. I think it's just legitimately, a, it's what a wall does supposed to look like. So it's correct. Um, do you find yourself in the front line doing that a lot more often? Kind of what Sedge is saying, or is it you're picking and choosing how you're defending? Point. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Um, at that point, it's going to depend on what I'm seeing on the front line. And if I have decided to go on the front line or if I decided to run away with a shield and try and flank somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but the the big things that I'm going to be looking for is especially if I have chosen a couple of shields to feel near, stand near. If I see somebody knocking a redheaded arrow, I'm going to just kind of put my weapon in front of the shield. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a tick tocking motion here. <laughs> just yep. kind of metronome it back and forth and be like, no. These shields get to stay here, please. None of this destruction and, crap. <laughs> yeah, get out of here with that. Nobody wants that. And then, um, especially if I am, like, standing secondary line and have that battery barred standing next to me, I'm going to be making sure that I'm keeping them off of mm -hmm. the person that's helping me out, like, as much as possible. But even I get distracted. It's hard. There's, I mean, especially when you start getting to larger and larger battle games where you're like, oh, there's 40 people on the front line and there's 30 archers behind them. That's a lot of arrows. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Now, you've been to Keep and you've played Monk. Um, did you go to the Keep before last? 2018? Yeah, the first time we were at the new site. Um, I did, but it was right after my knee surgery. Okay. So I was reaving. <laughs> that's the one Polaris <laughs> decided to show up with 40 bows. And... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, okay. I was just wondering if you got to play Monk in that Sadly, mess. I didn't. I got to watch it, though. It... The mess that was the forest battle. Oh, my God. We were terrible. how many arrows got lost. <laughs> Just for reference, this is what happened. Uh, Q-Ball likes to break battle games. So he went, hey, Polaris, we're going to pretend we're bringing pole arms again this year, except everyone bring bows. So he made a 40-man bow team, and all of us had to have a bow and 10 arrows, and then you were on the team. Uh, we were not good. Um, <laughs> uh, Shaft was on that team. We were less effective than if we had all had a single stick. Like, we volleyed into shield walls for no reason. <laughs> Whenever we had the opportunity. It, um, it, do it the was, English uh, and volley fire for the queen. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, uh, the war cred on that one was not, not too fond of our uh, shenanigans. No. Yeah. I remember watching them check all of the arrows. I was like, ha, glad I didn't volunteer to read this one. Uh, I definitely <laughs> remember like a three hour wait just standing for one of the games. Mm -hmm. just waiting for it to start. I don't even know what it was, because, the I mean, keep everything, like, the crowds are so big, so you're like, yeah. I have no idea what the delay is at this point, but... Yeah. All arrows. It. Yep. If you ever have the experience to play in a battle game with a stupidly large amount of arrows, um, they don't work as well as you think, because uh, monks and... <laughs> like, yeah, monks and shields are a thing, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't play on large enough fields that it matters to have a really good artillery line. Like, just from a tactical standpoint, most, like, English longbow style, you're looking at 400 to 500 feet plus 
of distance between the artillery line and that front line so that they can shoot over that. Uh, we don't have that range in Amp Guard, so it doesn't matter. Also, um, headshots don't count. So Yeah, there's 80% of your shots, um, yeah. especially when you volley, because either people put up their shields or they call head, because... Yeah, that one of those things is what happened, yeah. Yes. Uh, so if you plan to do it, it's a lot of fun. I recommend having some fun. Uh, don't expect it to be Ooh, effective. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was asking because I bet monks felt like gods at that event because they were just like waving a sword and just blocking 30 arrows. Just like spin your pole arm in the air and it's like, none of those counted. You got a color. You shall not pass. <laughs> You just color guard your pole arm through the field. <laughs> Dear God. Okay. Um, uh, we were talking about defending with uh, missile ball block. Shaft, you have not given us your thoughts on that yet. I, I think just the most important part of it is um, to do it effectively, you kind of need to be focused on whoever is throw, like putting projectiles downrange. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, that works both selfishly and for your team. Um, you can definitely do more. You can help your team, block more of your team if you've got a polearm, right? Stick that polearm out in front of them. Just be like, mm, no, this is, this area is covered. But, uh, and uh, so I think that the best situations I've had for that, for the helping the team out have been ones where it's like, oh, it's like on a bridge and I'm kind of like sort of on the side where like, you know, projectile flight, fire can come in from the side and just like, all right, I can mm-hmm. cover the flank, protect that, don't have to worry about anything else. Um, but that's obviously very highly situational. Um, it's mostly just for yourself, I think, in the long run. You can use it effectively to protect some of your team, but it's not. I it's, don't think that's really its, uh, its purpose. purpose. It's not as effective as... Okay, would you guys say it is more or less effective than an imbued shield? Depends on the size of the shield. We'll say medium. About the same. About medium. The same. About the same. Although um, medium does have. Oh no, they trade off. They they get one extra thing they can block, and they trade phase from sphere. Yeah, they can mm-hmm. block sphere, but can't block uh, phase. Well, but, yeah, monks, uh, monks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. One can block one, the other can block the other. Yeah. Right. Um, um, but if you have like the weird large shields that do weird stuff, then it gets pretty, yeah, pretty dumb. Because then you're also like that as a player, you can just make the make the box and just sit behind it with javelins. And like, what are you gonna do? This thing is pretty much indestructible. Right. So now, does it? I'm guessing this answer is yes. Um, it's easier for a newer player to begin with an imbued shield in this situation than it would be for a new player to have the monk missile ball block. But an experienced player using the missile ball block, they're going to be about as as effective as an imbued medium shield. Yeah, because at that point, your your ability to be active should be about the same as their ability to just have a passive defense. Okay. That's a really interesting, cool way to think about the effectiveness of your ability. You don't get a physical shield, but if you're creating a similar effectiveness to specifically arrows and spell balls or uh, projectiles and spell balls, uh, you're kind of getting your shield 
just only at range. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you get you know, a bigger shield or bigger sword or whatever. Theoretically, you can also block better melee attacks too. Right. Um, it just probably works for striking. Yeah. It's an interesting, like, mechanical trade-off of the the monks don't get shields, but they kind of are a shield in their yeah. own sense. Is a is an interesting way to think about that that uh, balance. Well, and okay. it's 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 active versus passive, right? Because yes. like, if if I get like some right-handed, so if I have a medium board on my left arm, right, and someone takes a shot at me, that's you know a 30 to 40 percent chance of just me not getting hit despite not being paying attention to it true just because that's where the board is right yeah um but if i've got if i've just got like a, a sword or my pole arm there and i'm not paying attention to it well i mean that's you know maybe five to five percent coverage at most probably mm-hmm. um and so like but if i'm if i'm paying attention to them well now i get to put my put that in front of wherever it's going yes um it's almost like a channel ability. If we're talking like League of Legends or like MMORPGs, <laughs> you kind of have sure. to channel your shield somewhat. It doesn't really. Yeah, you you got to focus proper. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. That's why I was saying like you got to get to that point where you can move past it being active and make it a passive ability. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of practice. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot juggle. of time. Just juggle shit. All right. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. You're in Canada. Do you juggle geese? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fight them. Um consume their power. It's the highest <laughs> level of juggling. <laughs> juggling geese. Uh all right. Um so this this question I put on uh every paragon path since I've thought about it. Um but I don't know if it applies to monk. Are there any hidden gem abilities or is the kit really plainly obvious about the the kit like what's good? Sanctuary is where you get most of your jank from. That you mm-hmm. can like really manipulate, but the rest of it, it's it's pretty straightforward. You get to heal yourself, res your friends, and hit the oh fuck button. So because it's mostly like the stick jaw class, I consider resurrect to kind of be a hidden gem ability. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. like it's it does, but this is like it's not. It's obviously it's not, not the main purpose of the class. Yes. But it's it's definitely something where you can be like, oh, I'm in the front line. Somebody died. Well, I mean, you know, take a take a few seconds and res them. Mm-hmm. Um, I found resing on the flank. Res on the flank is really really tasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do have you to... get your friend. You get your friend like they got hit with like a uh, a shot to the leg. So you'll stand behind them, start your resurrecting that right before you're done. You're in can. You slap them in the other leg and then get them back up <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean yeah um you do have to pull off the full resurrect which um healers don't do correct. anymore because swift res is a thing yeah. but so, it's basically the heal spell so yeah so it's not hard to like i mean okay it's harder to memorize than some of our other ones which are like i command the odd it's very simple yeah um <laughs> tracking yeah <laughs> tracking 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 we're done um but it, it's so people don't know it it's <laughs> so long of an incant to say in stress because like uh i'm gonna guess most people can't get it off faster than 10 seconds 
Like, I could. Like when I was really going hard. Right. I'm. I'm not saying paragons. I'm saying most players. I'm thinking paragons could probably get like eight seconds. I know some of the faster people have like six, seven seconds. Yeah, I've I've seen a six second heal. Like, what in the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Do you rap professionally? Please teach. Um. But like it was our player who's now a paragon bard. So, I mean, if you're if you're <laughs> taking, we'll say on average ten seconds out of your combat time to resurrect, uh, the trade off better, better kind be of worth it. right. I think mm-hmm. that that's the mechanic and the the worry. It's kind of the barbarian thing. You only have so many ability uses. This is kind mm-hmm. of a time thing. You only have so much time on the battlefield. You want to make sure all of it's useful. Um. But yeah, on the flank it can be very useful, especially if it's someone like if it is if you're if you're rolling with a very aggressive wizard or bard that like is flanking with you mm. and they get tagged with like wound skill or whatever, you're just like, all right, I'll just you know, that guy ran off, I'll, I'll res you. Or like, oh they're threatening me, a sanctuary. They run off to do something else and now I'll res you and mm-hmm. yeah. pick my whole entrance. Yeah, Quant, yeah, your your whole uh, run with shields, um Ploy, that would work really well with because if they yeah. get down or anything you've got you've got to teach them not to move that's what we've got to do we've yeah. got to... <laughs> that's the hardest part just like please don't move like i'm dead i'm gonna start wa- no Stay. yeah right. it's a good habit to be in every time you're dead take five seconds and just look around and see like can this person res me or like just take a second Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, especially if Paladin and Anti-Paladin get opened up, we've just added another player that has Resurrect on the field and Heal on the field. Um, the ability to Resurrect people that have moved is specifically a healer ability. And it sucks to have to literally wait for you to go back to Respawn for someone to pull you away from Respawn so that they can res you. It's an extra ability that they now have to charge. If you just stay where you're at and just keep calling dead, because you're allowed to say dead. Dead people can't communicate, but they can call dead as much as they want. Um, you can get attention more often. And if you're running with monks, like these people here, they're going to look and be like, I've got 10 seconds. Res. Like... And you don't have to go full full volume too, because you're just casting to that person in front of you. You don't have to strain mm-hmm. your voice. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it's it's right there. Um, so, okay, we had Res was a hidden gem. Quan, did you have any hidden gem abilities, or is it all pretty plain and simple? I mean, I think the best ability that we have is that we can use any melee. That. Yeah, I would call that an ability. Yeah. Like, if you aren't good at swords, grab a pole. If you aren't good at pole, go flow. If you want to snag a flail, have that. Once you're second level, you have heavy thrown. Like, I mean, you want to be weird and grab two flails? (laughs) Go play ultimate chain and get imbue weapon and just hate on people. Well, and to uh, to expand on what Quan said, the uh, the fact that uh, you can put that you can build your pole arms to be crush break means that you are one of 
you know, four or six with the, the Paladin AP classes that mm-hmm. like can natively have crush breaking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably under, under realized. Well, so yeah. it's a factor that's interesting because, uh, if we look at the breakdown, most classes don't have ancestral armor very straight mm-hmm. up. Uh, also most classes only have three or less points of armor, which means crush break is super effective against them. Mm-hmm. But because Druid is so prevalent and powerful, our most common thing on the field is the magic armor that has ancestral armor, iron skin, yeah. uh, uh, stone skin. Stone skin. Um, those are, those are going to be your big hitters there mm-hmm. where you're going to see those constantly. Um, I think crush break gets underappreciated because we assume everyone's taking magic armor because it is the smart idea 90% of the mm-hmm. time. If you're taking magic armor, you're taking something with uh, ancestral attached to it. It's going to be crush break resistance. So you're not dealing with crush break anymore. You're just dealing with as many hits as possible. Mm-hmm. Barbarians cannot get anti crush break armor. Mm-hmm. They can't straight up. There's a whole class. Uh, Scouts that wear armor very rarely are given ancestral armor. Warriors have it only for three lives. And I very rarely have seen healers ever take ancestral armor. Assassins basically never have ancestral armor. Paladins and anti-paladins, I have seen them get ancestral armor from healers. But because it's not very common, you don't see it very often. So if we actually look at the number of classes that are vulnerable to crush break, it's way more. And we should see a lot more crush break on the field. Especially when you also look at shields too. It's just like Mm -hmm. warriors the only one to natively have their shield. Yes. Um, I know Harden is is more often taken than ancestral armor, but it's often like a tertiary. I've never seen Harden actually taken. I asked for it specifically, like um, partially to give me like part of the monk ability. I've asked for it as a bard every once in a while, so I just have hardened weapons. I'll have I'll dual sword. And now I have hardened weapons. I can block projectiles. Block. Mm-hmm. I can't block them to kill them like your guys' ability, but I can yeah. still prevent the projectile from hitting myself um, with those weapons. Uh, I've also done it when I have a bow because a hardened bow is hysterical and nobody expects it. <laughs> nobody is expecting you to block that shot with a bow and then keep fighting with it. It's yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, no ancestral armor. Is, like I think part of the reason it's so uncommon is because it's two points at level six for healers. Like it's yeah. so expensive. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. And at that point, just give them promag. Right. Yeah. It, it's not worth the time. So crush break, especially if you can natively get it, like on Quan's poll. Um, I'm gonna have to find that photo and, and put it up. Um, send you some. Put, make crush break polls as monks as barbarians, as warriors, any time that you can get a crush break pro, it might be better for you. Uh, but having that speed pull is also a really good option. I mean, just bring as many weapons as you can to the field. We talked about this earlier. You can make yeah. a crush break speed pull. I've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not hard. No. Four inches is not a lot. I mean, it's... it's just like add that. some wings onto your Omni speed pull. You're there. <laughs> hey, you only need one single cross section. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The the omni fly design where you're like, yeah, this is you know two and a half inch cross section. Let me uh 
throw a few layers of you just like strips of camp pad on one side of it. <laughs> yep. Four inches. Yep. That's, Go. That's what I made for one of my buddies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fun. Uh, like, I think almost all. I think we only have one non-crush break pole up here. I think every other pole is crush break. It's it's not hard to get to. Like I yeah. purposely have a speed pole that is not crush break because I'm lazy and I can just literally put a stick of sword foam on my pole and it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for my own sanity instead of actually being effective as a pole user. Um. Mm-hmm. But making that, I mean, I could probably pretty easily just make an additional sleeve that slides over, torque wraps on, and then done. Crush break pull. Yeah, um, make yourself a fry or something. Yeah. Uh, it's not hard to make. And four inches is not a lot. Like, no. as soon as you cross that great weapon threshold, you get over that 48 inches. Anything with a four inch cross section is crush break. You wield in two hands. Not hard. Uh, are your chopsticks crush break? They look no. flat. No? Okay. Uh, even if they were, even if they were, he would need to use two hands for them to, yeah. to yeah. Right. function as such. But if you've got the chopsticks and you're running and one of them gets heated, go to crush break. Or you see someone that has, you know, armor, yeah. crush break. Oh, I, I like them, like, because they're super, super light. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, I can easily pick them up with two, like, three fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. still wield them so especially when you go two hands on you just it just flies <laughs> yeah. 602 and it just whips all over the place and people yeah no people will like try and heat my weapon i'm like okay toss this to the side it's like you're a single stick wizard and i've got the super fast little pull <laughs> like <laughs> i will whip the shit out of this thing <laughs> i will make it bend around um oh i have like th- there's a picture that shows like how much whip I've gone onto it. Like I've gotten some crazy bends with it. It's a factor that people, uh, I think it's a factor that people don't think about if they're not really paying attention to weapon construction. Your sword bends like a lot when you actually see it come around a shot or whatever. Like I know I have one shot specifically, this is getting way off topic, but, um, I can drop it on a board. And if I turn it just a little bit, it'll wrap over the board angle, the corner, and just hit the top because the the tip is uh, the end of a golf shaft, a fiberglass golf shaft. So it's only, like, super tiny, and it's this long of a section that's flexing. It's really easy to actually make it do that. Yep. Weapons you build can do that. Now, remember, you can't build it so it can literally just... Because <laughs> that's a hinge weapon. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, like, I think if I press this hard, like... like barely pressing it i'm already getting here mm-hmm. i'll grab the tip and uh bend it yeah but that's not so like, i can bend myself like what seven mean? inches that's not terrible compared to some of the other weapons i've seen that are like oh yeah fishing so I, poles I a, basically yeah i, I built a uh, a great sword out of two half inch pvc that were duct taped together oh my in god my early years. oh no like i could hold it this way and it'd go <laughs> Flap it at people. Uh, ridiculous weapon tech. Um, okay, so uh, we talked about missile ball block. We talked about uh, hidden gem abilities. Um, uh, okay, we hit on this a little bit. Is there any more we have about how sanctuary is not just a safety net? 
which you can also use it to position and move around the field. I know Quan is in the sanctuary should go away uh, or sanctuary stupid field. So um, I'm getting towards that direction. I think sanctuary's got some problems and we should fix it. I don't know if it needs to go away, but it's definitely it's some pre J. It, it it definitely needs a rework. Yeah. The only problem is if you rework it too much, that's the monk's only melee defensive ability. You don't get any armor, we don't get any shields, so if you like if you rip it really hard, like even if you'd move it to insubstantial, that just means scouts can if a scout knows how to do tracking, they can just roll over you. Because you have no escape from them. True. I'm okay with that. Scouts need the buff. I mean that's scouts also need a fun. lot of love. Scouts, scouts, scouts need some work. Um, and and it won't work for literally anyone else. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't change like, anything. Blink, for example, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and catch and release doesn't work on you because you can move around. So yeah, instantly catch and release. the The simple catch and release mechanic is kind of out of the way. Um, okay. The other thing is, uh, Sanctuary has the unlimited range compared to Blink. So you can actually be a little bit more, I want to say, like, playful with wh how much you walk around. Because you can be like, oh, I'm on my base. I'm going to Sanctuary where I dropped my throwy line behind them, like, 70 feet away and just run over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, probably just, you could probably just make Sanctuary, like, a super blank where you can, where yeah. it's unlimited range, but you can't have, can't be wielding weapons or whatever. Yeah, you have to play around with it. Right. Um, okay, so are there any other uh, features, I'm going to call it, not glitches or bugs, of Sanctuary <laughs> that uh, we didn't cover already? I think so. I think we were pretty good on it. Okay. Starting. Um, Quan, do you want to tell us why you think it's stupid? My main issue is that I'm almost always still wearing a throwy, so I always have to go back to my base, and I have it. We don't have enough healers in my kingdom personally, and especially not at my park. So I just always have to go back to the base to get out of it. And it's like, hmm. just got to find the scouts and inform them that they have release because they've probably forgotten. What's a scout? <laughs> like, <laughs> so okay. I have obviously never been to Radiant Valley, so I have no idea what, what you guys have at the park. Um, I know that Cabbage plays Bard, though, and you could yell yeah. at his ass that I told him to take release. When, <laughs> as long as Cabbage is allowed to play without breaking his spine again. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I go to an old park with old players that are broken, and I'm broken, and nobody wants to do things. <laughs> but then we have this smattering of new players that's like a level three warrior and a level two healer. Level two healer. Like, Time to get release. It's one point for on two. Other team. Oh. Always on the other team. I don't know how it happens because I'm the only other person there with a res. So they're like, we have to separate you guys. That is a good point. Yep. I did not think about what that when looking at balanced teams last weekend. Mm -hmm. Probably should have done that. Maybe, yeah, if you only but... <laughs> have one healer, but you have a monk that knows how to use a res, you got to separate those kids or else the other team is, if it's a shatter game, they're screwed. True. That's the big one, though, is the knows how to use the res because yeah, just like I'll, I'll make fun of scouts for not knowing they have release or tracking, uh, most bad monks also don't know they have resurrect. Yep. 
Yeah. Or don't know the res spell. They might know that they have res, but they might not know the spell. Yeah, they don't realize you have to just change one line from your heal, then they don't even use heal. They don't use heal. It's I'm, a stick jock. It, We're back to stick jocks again. Unga bunga hit thing with stick. So if I'm... Play barbarian. If I'm learning and understanding this correctly, what we need to do, or what y'all need to do as uh, uh, monks that are trying to be paragons or are paragons, you need to print out little sheets of how res works and what it is, and then slap sticky note or duct tape them to the stick jock's arm. So they can just read it, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we'll probably do just just get the uh, just the incant. We probably don't need to do the rest of the rules. <laughs> just the incant. Resurrect the incant. Duct tape. You get one. <laughs> uh, I kind of like the idea of slapping duct tape on a bunch of random warlords' arms and telling them to use it. <laughs> so. It's <totally> ah! <laughs> If you use the packing tape, you don't have to worry about like it covering it up. It's true. You just like tape it to the inside, and just slap it, and just wrap it around. Yeah. We've mm -hmm. actually we've duct taped people's shields itself. So people are like, "Oh, I want to get good at strap shields." You just rip out the thing of duct tape. We're like, "Well, <laughs> you're getting taped today, then." <laughs> it works. It actually it really works. If if you want to get better at strap, tape like actually find that spot where it's comfortable on you, and then you tape the shit out of that shield to the, that person's body. <laughs> You're gonna learn to. You're gonna learn to trust that shield real quickly. <laughs> I mean, yes, it works. I did it. I think I did it for four weeks. Wow. Damn. All right. <laughs> I would rip the hair off my body doing it. I punch way too much with my strap shield. <laughs> I do not and do the rotations like I should. I instead just like bah and then strike. Yeah. So this is the, this would make it. More natural, just roll with it. I'm not duct taping my shield to my body. Do I'm gonna it. go. I'm gonna get my strap. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. I have. I have. I have a really bad thing that I do as a barbarian because I'm stupid. Uh, it's a shield that is a small that I can strap to my shoulder. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, duct tape. <laughs> I could just use the strap that I use for the shield instead and hold on to that. I'm not duct taping my body to my body. Sounds terrible. Um, okay, so uh, getting the best out of Sanctuary, we kind of covered throughout the episode, but mainly you want to not stay in it too long because it is taking you out of threat. You are no longer a threat. Uh, you want to make sure that you know how it functions so that you... Um, either don't have the weapons on you or the weapons have been thrown around the field so that you can go pick them up and you can be more effective in that fashion. Um, and knowing uh, knowing your effectiveness with different weapons you've left on the field, I guess, would be the best way to kind of sum up one of the, the other things we kind of nebulously talked about. Because if you drop, like Shaft, if you drop, an arsenal of every weapon possible you can take on the field, going and picking up specific weapons for different feature, different battle lines, different times in the field is going to be uh, more effective for you. If you see that the flank is getting crushed, you might want to go grab that pole so you can hold them off. If you see that you uh, need to make a break for it, maybe those two short sticks might be better. Something you need to, to hold a middle ground, maybe those longer, uh, the chopsticks like sedges um, might be the better option. So, utilizing what is at hand and not staying in sanctuary for too long and knowing when you can and 
get in and out of it. Does that cover everything we kind of talked about? Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Good overview. Um, all right. So skills you guys focus on to get better. I know, said you talked about juggling to get better at the high, uh, the high, the eye hand coordination to block spell balls and projectiles. Um, yep. Are there any other things either in or out of the game that you want to focus on to get better? Uh, so I find since uh, Monk kind of has a more narrow target list because you have to, like, you're looking for the, the archers and especially the casters out aboard if you have your throwies. Learning uh, how to understand, like, your spatial awareness and how to read the field in a way will really help you because you're like, okay, this shield, sorry, this archer is behind the shield wall. If I can, because I've done this before, if I can arc the throwy in a weird way that he's not expecting it, I can get him out of the field. This wizard on the right side, however, is actively pressuring and uh, like pressuring the line with like, let's say the uh, free shatter combo of, of cheese. Mm-hmm. So maybe I want to deal with him instead. And it's like, oh, there's a like we, I usually went against a our healers who like to stay behind the back lines. Like, okay, I know they're there, so if I get deep into the line, I can then go and get a free extra kill there, and kind of play like play with it and figure out where your roots are. Okay, so spatial awareness and uh, range finding, judgment, something like that. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all like reading the field. Mm-hmm. Once you like, this will help you in any class. If like, you understand how to read the field and how to correctly apply yourself to that field, it'll make your class game in general just so much. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say go read Art of War, but it's a really kind of dry book. Um, but the the basic idea behind battlefield awareness and tactics and things like that is something to train and focus on. Um, it is not a quick process to learn. It's a lot of not. practice. <laughs> One of the things I did was when uh, when we were driving with someone else, is they'll like name out a car, and then you have to use your mirrors really quickly to find where it is, say which one it is. Oh, okay. For for just picking out, uh, using peripherals and and target acquisition. Yeah. Um, so like when you're driving, make sure you're doing this safely. You'd be like, <laughs> okay, what's around me? Okay, there's nine, like, say, like, there's 11 cars behind me, there's six cars in front of me, I'm in the middle lane, and there's two cars to my immediate left and right. Okay, check this in another minute. What What's changed? Oh, one of the cars behind me has now moved over two lanes. One of the cars in front of me has moved over two lanes as well. And then wait, check it again. And that's how you can work on it if it's, if it's just you. Mm-hmm. But if you're with your friend, you can kind of play. Be like, okay, I see this. Where is it? And then you have to look for mm-hmm. safely, of course. Right. <laughs> I mean, I like it. Do it on the highway. Don't do it in the city. Statistically, yeah. it is harder to multitask and drive in the city than it is to multitask and drive on the highway. Uh, yeah. I have to drive 40, 40 minutes to park. Yeah. You I've guys in Canada are spread out like nobody's business for, for Amcard. Like the, the closest like field is technically three hours away, but they're only three or four people the actual proper like an actual park that's would be worth traveling to is set eight hours away oh my god yeah and then our 
king like because now we're a kingdom our american kingdom side events are 12 and a half and before when we were under black spire it was 26 hours y'all need more players um <laughs> i mean western winds is is one of the largest parks in Amcard right now Sweet. before covid we were dealing with so not dealing we had around 45 <laughs> plus players every weekend that's pretty good um and it, it was pretty and like i think right now we're at about uh 25 30 and it's just slowly coming up as more people come out of the COVID lockdown yeah it's always a it's always hard coming out of uh a break well some people just like they're still like some people have very at-risk people that are mm -hmm. part of their their family so it's just like yeah we're not coming out of this until like almost next year and we and then it's like four of them we're like okay yeah <laughs> is what it is yep um no, you guys just need larger population centers that uh, allow for more parks. <laughs> so you, Canada needs a mass marketing campaign so we can get more amp garters. That's the plan. That's what we're going to do. Well, yeah. I think Canada just needs more people in general. Hey, come up. We got free health care. I, I fixed my hand no. for free. It's very tempting. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm in Minnesota. Yeah, also, we're, we're, I was like joking with that Americans. It's like, oh yeah, I broke my hand, but I got it fixed for free. So don't wear your safety equipment. <laughs> there are so many other problems with the the whole whatever. Okay, so yeah, the fun <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, chef, what do you do to focus on to get better? So I mean, honestly, I don't. But <laughs> it, the closest thing that I did when I was playing Monk more was uh, just fighting with the pole arm, but like just even in the ditch, right? Mm -hmm. Is um because at the end of the day, it is a fighting class, right? Like yeah. you do get resurrect to help your team, but aside from that, everything else is oriented around your ability to exist in melee. Yes. Um, and so um it's very important to be effective in melee, largely because of as we were talking about just the if you are not dangerous in melee, you are not a threat. Mm -hmm. So like that that whole like bubble of threat is irrelevant if I can kind of just disregard you or walk over you. Yes. Um. So that that's probably the certainly the most that I did. But as far as what would be useful, what is useful outside of it is just like cardio and um, like a burst speed, like you know because quick sprint the casters, the, yeah yeah basically because the casters that you're going to be run casters and bow users you're going to be running down also don't have armor. Um, and they're going to have, you know, the head start of however far away from you they are. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to be faster than them enough to like that distance faster than them to be able to catch and kill them. Yeah. 20 feet um, is not a far distance. Now, smart casters are obviously going to start casting at you before you're at 20 feet. So that when yeah. you enter 20 feet, they're going to pull it off and finish the cast. But 20 feet yeah. is 10 steps yeah. less five steps. But like, like having, being able to, so yeah, being ready and able to be like, oh, I'm being cast at, either I need to, you know, step back, I need to get out of range, mm -hmm. or I need to, like, need to get that casting finger before they, uh, <laughs> before they finish. Yeah. They can't cast if they don't have a hand. Ha! Huh? <laughs> Simple, you disable the hand. <laughs> it's effective. It is. Um, uh, Quan, what are things you do to get better? in or out of the game 
Did that not come through? What? <laughs> what are there was, what, a, there was a break. Big pause. Okay, Quan. What what are some things that you do either in or out of the game to get better? Um. So since I had to take a break for a while from combat, I read a lot, and that kind of allowed me to see a lot more strategy from people that are paragons in my kingdom, mm. and I got to kind of know a few more tricks of of the people that play a lot in my kingdom and it's like aha maybe once i actually get back and can actually cardio some more this might happen mm -hmm. uh, so if you take time every once in a while to read the battle game you'll start to see things that you didn't expect to see um and you can it. definitely try and figure out especially if you are pretty pretty common to go to like your kingdom specifically you're going to see what those major players are doing and you might be able to figure out something that could help you i mean that's kind of a weird unspoken rule of being a paragon is sometimes you have to show up the other paragons especially the classes that you are the counter to yeah if you start reaving and watching you can learn their like synchronicities and their their little things that they do like um my man in arms and best friend Balder straight up just learned how to shut me down without question. Like he watched me for two days and he's like, you do the same thing in this game that you do in magic. I got you. And then just wrecked my day for like three weeks straight. <laughs> yeah. and it's it. Everybody's going to have their own little things that they do. And it's very difficult to not have your own little, like, this is what I do. Um, and if you take that time to watch, you can break it down. You can get so much more use out of your time being like, hey, I know that they always flank right. Warlord, just go sit over there. Okay, we're good. Let's continue. It's awesome. I feel, I feel like my time playing Monk has made all of the casters around me realize that Wizard's uh, most powerful spell is a heat weapon. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's not really wrong. Uh, I mean, if you look at the trade-off, this is going to be really weird meta. Hold on a second. Okay. Yeah. If you look at the trade-off, it's 30 seconds of taking away their infinite spell called Stick. Yeah. So that's a pretty good trade-off. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, especially since it's like, for Wizards, it's what, level one? Uh, Yes. Yeah, it's level can... one, but it's not. Is it level two? It's, it's early, but it's not naturally rechargeable. For which one? For Wizards. I don't think it's Pretty rechargeable, sure but I think it is per life. It is per life. Druids get it rechargeable because yeah, each okay. caster has one spell at level one that is rechargeable. Um, okay. I've spent way too much time in the rulebook looking at spellcasters, by the way, if you haven't seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to know something weird, if you look through the spell book, there's like weird, funny symbols on a couple spells. That's an alphabet, and you can translate it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just had it. Okay, so yeah, we were right. Um, that is a thing that paragons also do is they affect the meta around them to be uh to change. Yeah. Either they make a class more popular, they make the counter to that class more popular, which is always a great sign. Um, mm -hmm. or they make people react and take spells to deal with that person specifically. Um, it, I don't want to say if you're not causing people to 
work around you, you're not worthy of Paragon because that's a really ridiculously high requirement in some parks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it's kind of going to happen if you start making waves, and especially when you start uh, really applying the tactics and strategy. You don't mm -hmm. really have to be a class at all. You just have to be there and willing to direct people around the field. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, at West Ruins, we have a thing called Warmaster, mm -hmm. where it's two teams that are, you're, you're doing it uh, like uh, dodgeball style, where it's one person, one person, one person, one person, mm -hmm. and the two teams have to go against each other, and whoever wins, the the leader of that gets the Warmaster title of the year. So it really tries like every six months, we try and really put in the tactics for uh, for the park and get people to play it. I like it. Fun. Man, I when I that. when I ran it, I had a full front line. I had two people doing hammer and anvils all day. It was just <laughs> mwah, beautiful. Classic tactics work in Ampguard because we're not that complicated. Man, mm -hmm. pinwheel, the most used tactic in all of Ampguard. Yeah. Yep. Because we just call it the flank and spank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ridiculous names. Um, okay. Uh, so we've talked about things that we want to focus on to get better. Um, uh, we've hit on this a little bit, but not a ton, uh, weaknesses to be aware of in the class. This is something that I think, um, it's weird to say, I think you should go ask paragons of the class that are annoying you the most, what their weaknesses are, but it's kind of true because they should definitely know what the weakness is. Kind of straight up. Um, do you disagree or you agree? No, yeah. If if uh, if a class is annoying you, you should learn how to make that class not annoy you anymore, mm -hmm. and figure out its weakness. Um, and the the players I found that know the best of the best weaknesses of the class are the paragons in that class. They know exactly what they're not good against, and they stay yep. away from it because otherwise they we look go bad. nowhere clear, close to the warlord warrior, and we're like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> right. But I think that might be your guys' really only weakness is armor. Oh, yeah. And shields. Armor and right. shields. Okay. So no, no passive defense. Yeah. So yeah. if you're staying away from armor and shields, you're still looking at the rest of the field as chum, basically. To, yeah. to an extent of some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there any other weaknesses you guys need to be aware of? I mean, you can jump in on this one because it's more open ended. Good archers. Yeah. And there's not many of those, I, but they're deadly when they are. We have mm -hmm. three of them at my park, smart bastards that they are. And they will wait until any of the monks are engaged in combat before loosing a normal arrow. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you stab with a pole, that's when they shoot. And they always shoot center and mass. Or just like you look away for a second, right? You're like, you assess the field, you're like, I know the archers are there. You like stare them down, and then you like scan the rest of the field, and you get pegged because you like took your yeah. eyes off them for half a second. And with how yeah. fast the arrows travel, especially like one of the guys here, he makes I think almost all the arrows. Mm -hmm. uh, Aeon and they run secluded armor, like they run with Dazareth, uh secluded armory out here, and their arrow tech is solid. And he's got a great bow, good fucking shot, bastard. He always gets. Me. <laughs> You know, good, good, and like I think 
I've heard of a few people who uh, like were ex baseball players and they just rip <sighs> spell balls. <laughs> so I'm like, it's that'd it's be the terrifying. same problem. Uh, there's yeah. an ex softball. She's a college softball player. Um, uh, in Rising Winds, and she's on, um, the 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 world champion Phoenix League team, whatever, and she has like the stupidest, most fast accuracy underhand spell ball I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, she's shown up to a couple of our events in Polaris, and I've been pegged while sprinting at 40 feet with, like, no awareness of where the hell she was. Just, yeah. it's dumb. It's so good. <laughs> so the, the goal here is obviously to become a professional sports athlete and then don't Apparently, do yeah. that. Come play amp guard. That's what we you do. really only need to, you only need to be on the road to be like true. You can definitely be minor league, a minor league athlete <laughs> and come over to amp guard. You're good. So get Golden. good enough that a movie might get made about you, and then come play amp guard. Quan, <laughs> do you have do you deal with any uh, any of your weaknesses regularly on your field? Because you you mentioned very a couple times it's a very stick jock heavy field, but you guys wear armor on that field very often. We don't have a lot of the stick jocks wearing armor for sure. Um, we have a couple of them that will play casters and then not use casting because they're stick jocks, so they can just go and pummel you instead. <laughs> I'm a wizard. This is my stick. I'm a healer. <laughs> I have a medium shield and a short, and yeah. I might shove you, but other than that, I'm going to hit you a lot. <laughs> Thanks. It works. Cool. Kind of. The scariest wizard, muscle wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Or, yeah, I think or a lot well, of the uh, a lot of the guys that are out there, the, the triads, they are very big on making sure that you know every weapon. So they'll pick up archery, and they are good and terrifying, <laughs> and don't forget to look at them when they decide to bring their bows out on that rare occasion that they do, because you're yeah. gonna get pegged. And while you're engaged somewhere else and not even realize because it's going to be from the other side of the field. Mm -hmm. So, uh, being aware of where the projectiles are coming from and, mm -hmm. uh, armor is basically the weaknesses we've gone over for monk armor yep. and shields. So if people have larger passive defense than you and are, and, or are accurate with a ranged weapon, um, be aware of them. There's not many good answers for it because it is literally a sensory thing. You have to be aware of where the projectiles are and in order to beat someone in armor, you just have to be X times faster than them, whatever their armor points are, which is... Hard. I mean, it, yeah, unless you're, you're a warlord and they're not. You're and they're probably not, not going to be faster. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, six points will get you a lot. The, yes. <laughs> Don't be scared of the pole. It only hurts a little bit. Shake it at them like a voodoo stick. <laughs> um, okay, so your guys' weaknesses are very uh, literal, tangible things, which is, I think, the first time we've actually had that on a, a podcast. Because uh, most of the time, it's like this specific spell, this kind of ability, this class. But yours are very much good projectiles, people in armor, passive defense. Heat weapon. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the other one, the other ones are heat weapon, shatter, and 
Be aware of those. Um, But you can counter those by bringing an armory to the field. Well, I'm sure all of the classes that complained about them in the first place also. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you have a medium shield, which you guys don't have the opportunity to use, you can hide your weapons behind it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that kind of counteracts heat weapon. It's still a pain. Yeah. Still hard yeah. to to hide a six plus foot breaking crushing pull arm behind anything. Are you sure, Quan? <laughs> I mean, I know you're only five two, but you're sure you can't hide it behind yourself? <laughs> I have to like stab my own back with it. I'm like, <laughs> you can't it. see it. It's not there. What are you talking about? Um, thing to always remember with. Well, they don't remember with heat weapon though is the actual weapon itself. So you, you can like reach all the way back and like you can get yep. out of that twenty feet. Mm. And it's or, or like pitch it back, you know, five or six feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know, also safety, of course, but uh, it can't be wielded. It doesn't say it can't be carried, which is a very big difference in yeah. if you have your wep- that weapon in your hand in the near future, because um, mm-hmm. wielded and carried are two very different things. Learn the difference. Basically, wielded means you can swing with it. Carried means you're not Hold swinging it. with it, I guess. Hold it in your arms. Yeah. Like a baby. Um, thing where I hold it around my back with my wrist on it and just kind of swing it around, kind of drag it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carried. Wielded. Difference. Um, okay. So we've got weaknesses. So here is, in my opinion, the most vital question that we have to ask every Paragon or anybody on the path, and especially with... Uh, the battle game night discussion now prevalent because um, the there is a discussion about it of legitimately potentially coming a class or a, a class a belt in the future, um, and it's I believe our responsibility as people on the path and at the top of the path to continually make sure that people are having fun playing our game, and no one has fun when. They don't get to do things. So how do we get better as specifically, how do we get better as Paragon monks or moving towards Paragon monks without ruining other people's fun? Um, Quan, can you start this one off? I mean, I kind of find it hard for a monk to really ruin their, somebody's fun because we can't just continually target the mm-hmm. same person and be like, Oh, and now you're cursed and now you're this. And now you have to stay out of the game for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like we just kill you. Like we can't, keep you out of the game for five years mm-hmm. um but i guess the biggest thing is maybe don't murder strike guys <laughs> noon it to sixing is don't no fun break people don't it's not if nice. he dies he dies <laughs> Poor and class. yeah our waiver only covers so fun. much <laughs> i don't uh nope nope if it's the same waiver that i'm remembering it does include death <laughs> don't test it though. <laughs> um, so more about weapon safety than an actual mechanic or uh, an actual, uh, yeah, mechanical aspect of the game. Yeah. Okay. It's more stay stay safe out there. Like you can still get good and still be safe and nice and not decide to be like, oh, you're deciding to head block. Wham! And like, yeah. Don't. Noon to six newbies. It makes yeah. us look bad. Yep. As a game. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's it's not good. Don't don't go stunting on newbies with a weapon that they don't understand. Yep. <laughs> and and crushing breaking, you 
don't have to actually try to crush and break. You can just poke them. Mm-hmm. Super easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess how to not make it worse for people is just be kind out there. Fight with some honor there. I don't know. Yeah. Make nice Fight without weapons. the skis. <laughs> make nice weapons. Use courtesy padding. Yeah. Use yeah, more courtesy yeah. padding than you have to. Yes. I mean, you can also go the route that uh, Sir J. Lee did and go, I'm going to make a strike legal halberd that's all strike legal, including the handles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I got cross-checked by that thing, and I was like, that's courtesy padding. He's like, nope. Showed me, and I was like, that's amazing. I did not feel a thing, but that is a glorious weapon that I need. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, there, bud. <laughs> Canadians I'm, come down to start cross-checking people. Oh, it's just like the NHL, they're eight. I mean, you can't cross-check at the NHL. Come on, we all know that. Come on. Come on. I mean, you can if the uh, the refs are looking the other way. Go or if you're you or, spicy with it. I mean, or if you're playing the Capitals and you decide to get in a fist fight within the first three seconds of the period of the third <laughs> period, that is also an option. Um, yeah. yeah, make safe weapons. A uh, if you Most don't know how to make safe weapons, use them safely. Yes, yes. Uh, safe weapons. Yes, safe <laughs> weapons. But buy Oxymoron. them if you can't make them. Yeah. Um. What's the best way to put it? Um. Weapons are meant to be used, are meant to be safe for anybody that could potentially use them which does include a six-foot-tall, 350-pound weightlifter. Take that into effect. <laughs> Technically. I, yeah, I'll speak a little <laughs> bit against... Uh, not, I mean, not hard against courtesy padding, but, like, too much courtesy padding increases the weight of your weapon, which, with pull arms will decrease your control and increase the yes. likelihood of you donking someone in the head mm -hmm. with a now heavier weapon. Yeah. 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 There's that uh, finite balance. Yeah. yeah. And that, that takes a little bit of time and practice to get used to. Um, I would not recommend your first weapon be a min spec weapon. Make something with a little bit of extra padding on it for your first weapon because it's probably not well constructed. Not gonna lie. I think I still have my. Yeah. Like I, I do not have my first weapons anymore because I disassembled them like oh, ten minutes go. after. Oh my god. <laughs> the classic PVC with monster noodle. <laughs> that looks better than mine first. Mine were dapped blue foam. In a dag shape, it was bad. Yeah, we we don't get blue foam up. Oh, oh. interesting. Yeah. So uh, up in Canada, the only things you get to work with are pool noodles, uh, and uh, yeah, pool noodles. That is unless you can, unless like you can find uh, or... yeah. But even still, the pipe insulation is a lot harder to find. You have to go to specialty like plumbing stores to find it. Really interesting. Yeah, that's surprising. And now, but now we actually order up foam from for who, but we do like bulk orders of. Also have it. Is it the either tube or the uh the um... no, this black. Oh the yeah the frost king frost king. Yep. I think it's frost king. It comes from one of the um like wacky bat suppliers. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what, what one they are. There's a couple of them around. Um. Use safe materials. Make safe weapons. Uh, yeah. Use. Use your weapons safely, I think, is, is what yes. I would say. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing for, I think the biggest way that you can ruin a day as a monk is by using a polearm unsafely. 
mm-hmm. donking someone in the head, they're going to be very unhappy. Uh, yeah. Th- this is a counter. No, it's a still... Okay, whatever. Um, if you jump while attacking a polearm, <laughs> they will choose where you land. <laughs> this is true. Into Don't. The don't, don't jump. jump when attacking a polearm. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, because my polearm is a light speed pole, I normally go for like two shoulder shots and then for a hip or leg shot. If you jump mm-hmm. during that time, I will either knock you backwards or knock your feet out before you land. Yeah. That's not a good time to don't fall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't jump at polearms. But maybe don't jump an app card as a rule. Yeah, as, as a rule, just, don't jump in combat. It's, it's not a good tactic. It doesn't no. work well. You're you're it's probably going to end up on your butt. Sometimes, you know, smoking someone with the, the highest of crosses works. Oh, yeah, you got to skyhook them. <laughs> the skyhook. Oh. Jump that... skyhook and just hit them with the power of Thor. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, okay. Play safe, <laughs> please. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, Sedge, what are uh, some ways you try to get better but not ruin people's fun? So I actually had this uh, <laughs> come up uh, when I was getting back into Monk. Uh, a couple of our uh, our moms who aren't the best at stick fighting, like they still they're they're not awful, stick, but I'm a lot better at them. I kept rushing against them, like oh, I found an opening. They were playing age rude and a healer so i went up and crushed crushed the shield killed them crushed the shield killed them mm-hmm. they come up after me and they're like we have no answer for you because like at, at that point i was still i was blocking spell balls like the engine was all revved up mm-hmm. and so because i kept targeting the same person over and over and over again it, it definitely made it not fun for them so don't bully your newbies by yeah. or even even the players that you know are easy kills don't always take them although that's kind of contradictory when you want to win the game mm-hmm. but you can also have other people it's a team game so if mm-hmm. you can break the line have someone else go yeah every here and there it's uh park is practice it's for everyone's fun go stunt mm-hmm. at an event mm-hmm. yeah do all the spin shots at events <laughs> Not with the pole arm though. Don't do spin no, shots no. with the pole arm. Listen, I have a great spin shot with the pole arm. <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh, no. <laughs> Me and Shaft over here with maximum yeehaw. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no. Like, so the trick is you line up, uh, usually offhand, because it's you're basically matching their uh, like versus sword and board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're gonna always rush you, so you step off like you're retreating, spin all the way around, and that's gonna land on their sword side hip. So you need an eight foot wide. You're a goon, and I love that. Hold on. But okay, your pole, your standard pole, you use is an eight foot long bamboo pole, which means you need to choke up. (laughs) You still need like eight feet of space around you to pull it off. No, no, no. Like you choke up, so like you got one, you know, one hand's back ways, the other is forward, and you're you're threatening the stab, the the sword side stab. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know they rush you and you spin around as if you're running away spin all keep spinning and uh they will have closed the distance for you and you'll hit them in the sword side hip okay <laughs> please do this safely yeah i mean like thankfully please like doing safely thankfully like that one is pretty safe because it's all middle torso and mm-hmm. 
It's it's more of a ridiculous shot than it is dangerous in any capacity. I mean, it's not noon to sixing somebody with a fifteen foot pole arm because that's not okay. It's yeah. not. No. Aww. Kidding. Really unsafe. I mean, it's well, okay. So the the year that cue ball, uh, Did created pole Eris. Pole Eris. Yes. Um, yeah. He has two pole arms that are called Crush and Lament. They are fifth, or those are twelve foot long pole arms made from pole vaulting cores. Did the third one die? Uh, the third one did break at that point. Um, uh, he then commissioned twelve more Jeez. of the same tech, except he couldn't get twelve foot poles anymore. He had to get fifteen. Yep. So they were 15-foot pole arms. Uh, after the second battle game, the Reeve called, you cannot raise those weapons above 45 degrees. And if you do, I'm taking it away for the rest of Keep. It wasn't um, Keep. It was Known World War. He and... also brought them to Known World War. Yeah. Known World War was a different... Known World War, they banned every pole arm from being able to do any sort of above the shoulder strikes i believe I think it was just if it was longer than eight and a half feet yeah rivermore no, specifically has a said for my six and a half foot pole i was not allowed to did they okay yeah. well i think they had set the they had set the rule at eight like i think it was nine feet well because i rem remember they like someone tried to call someone else on it yes it like rivermore still Raven, has a rule stating uh Rivermore or I think it's Rivermore that still has it. Rivermore still has a rule that at no event are you allowed to have a pole over ten feet. Oh thank goodness. Um Polaris doesn't have that rule, so we still have fifteen foot pole arms floating around every <laughs> once in a while. But nobody wants to use them because they are heavy. They're, they're not good. No. They were effective at keep they were effective at keep not because of like what they did, but just because like you have fifteen of these poles just like in people's way. Yep. Like they they were a lot less dangerous and a lot more anti fun yes. than anything else. Um, also, yeah. uh, people forgot that like it was a militia battle and the fifteen foot pole arms were all on one side because they were belonging to one team. And people mm -hmm. forgot that you can just hand block a pole and just pin it to the ground. Yeah, I'm not a physics major of any kind, but it's really easy to hold a pole down when you're fifteen feet away and someone's trying to lever the thing up. You just have to put like four pounds of force down, and now they have to lift like thirty, essentially, yeah. on the other end of the stick. Yeah. The problem is the other like two or three that are going to like clobber you while you're trying yes. to do that. Yes. Um, so make safe work makes the dream work. Yep. Well, yeah, which is why you get more people to hold down other poles, and then all pin the poles to the ground and stab people. <laughs> Run the poles. Um, okay, so play safe. Don't target new players. Uh, Shaft, what are your? Did I already ask that? I no. mean, I, I chimed in a little bit, just the, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't think, I think that uh, Monk is not oppressive unless you're working with a team, mm -hmm. um, right? Like, yeah, two-sword Monk with a golem kit can be very oppressive, but just a Monk, I mean, you're probably not going to be ruining anyone's fun unless you're out there being unsafe with your weapons, so, right. so I, I think that it's mostly just that. Be safe with your weapons, don't pick on new players, don't pick on the same players. Mm -hmm. And everyone should have a good time. Yeah. Good time all around. Awesome. Um, okay. So we've hit this a little bit. Monks. Uh, Monk is one of the classes that is often handed to new players. Um, I have some uh, 
paragons and rules reps that believe that that is wrong, mainly because it stops players from learning about magic. 100%. Um, what are your guys' take on that, the, the whole fact that Monk is handed to new players so often? Is it more of a crutch, or is it potentially uh, a, a route into doing a training a, a well-rounded amp carter, I guess? I feel it's more a crutch because if you give the new player the monk size, you don't have to teach them that. And you, they can just go have their fun. Mm-hmm. If you give them, like uh, where I said it earlier, barbarian, assassin, or scout, they still get to learn stuff. Uh, barbarian will still get I see blasted. Mm-hmm. Scout's going to get bullied because they're bad. And assassin's going to get tracked <laughs> or taken out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those three classes offer them the ability to still use. And like besides barbarian, uh, assassin shadow steps used by other classes, poisons used by other classes, heals used by other classes, releases used by other classes. Hmm. So you have skills that'll go over to other classes that you want to play, especially with scout. Scout's actually a really good class, but the biggest problem with scout, people don't use the kit. Well, its yeah. kit is very limited. We had this discussion on the Paragon Scout one. Oh no, I'm saying um, physical kit. Oh, like, oh, oh, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't use they don't use heavy throws. They don't use two swords. They use like a single sword and like the like EVA special shield that's kind of glued together and mm-hmm. duct taped way too heavy. Mm-hmm. It so yes, any melee class you have, you need to use the full kit and try to utilize the full kit. Um, the yep. thing we saw with Scout was that I love its list. Like if it if you just told me like, hey, you get uh. Heal, shadow step, tracking, re- uh, release, um, and uh, bless. adaptive blessing. I like that list. The problem is you don't have very many of them. Um, yeah, except to be smart about it. Yes, that's where it's. I think its ultimate weakness comes in is that it has it lacks a number of abilities. But for a new player, it's not bad because it teaches them a lot of the core spells and abilities that the other classes mm-hmm. are going to rely on. And what to use them for. Um, oh, and whole person. Another one. And whole person. Yep. Um, monk teaches you heal and resurrect the long way. But it also teaches you to ignore magic, which I think is more detrimental than it is potentially helpful for new players. Not first day newbies. First day newbies I like monk for. But like second, third, fourth. I personally think we should hand them something else. Um Quan, do you guys see? You just talked about you have some new players at your park. Um, did you guys hand them the the monk, assassin, barbarian thing? Um, so for a lot of our newer players, they came out what they wanted to play because they had come from a uh, more like they they understood tabletopy style things mm-hmm. and and that kind of thing. Um, so they came out kind of knowing what kind of classes they want to play. Uh, like we had somebody that was coming from a more heavy hitting LARP that I can't remember right now. And uh, she knew she was going to play warrior, uh, a guy coming out that used to play D that still plays D and D a lot, knew he was going to play healer. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that was coming out and knew that she was going to be an assassin. Uh, we've, but we try to kind of inform people, but not over inform people. So they don't get like, Oh God, what is this? What have I done? Uh, but for the most part, we haven't been trying to force any classes on anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I see a lot that we will mainly be like, here, just try this out if it's your first day so that we can get you on the field and at least mm. get you to swing a stick. Right. Which I see that as being really helpful. But at the same time, we generally try to be like, here's the link to the rule book. Go check out the classes, read up on them. And next week, try out something that you actually want. Mm. Um, that's a really good way to do it, to, to hand... Mm -hmm the power in to, to put the power to their hands and give them a recommendation the first day, but then let them go. It'll be so much nicer. We can tell somebody that comes back and like, I want to play Paladin. We could be like, you can here. Cause that'd be so much yep. nicer than the telling the kid, Hey, you got to be in the game seven years and then get a belt. We actually, we actually had a park up here, uh, disintegrate because the people wanted to play Paladin. So they, when we left the park in their hands, they dissolved the park and made their own system because they wanted to play Paladin. I mean, oh, no, they want to play anti-Paladin. They were also running cardboard armor at six points. So, oh no, I mean like like an actual like cereal box with like duct tape on it, six points of armor. Beautiful. It was gem. That is some like backyard middle school LARP stuff that I yeah. I have a very like heartful love for. I don't want cardboard six point armor in Amgard. No. <laughs> no. This doesn't work. I don't, oh, and another thing we do on top of what um Quan was saying is we uh let the first few credits float. So like yes. if you try out like assassin, mm -hmm. barbarian, and like wizard, and I think we go up to like four. So like your first like level is kind of free, mm -hmm. and if you try a whole bunch and like okay, I like this class, I'm like okay, here's all the credits for those those weeks into that into that class, no problem. I think that's fairly common around yeah. Ampguard. I heard I some like people that. say say that's not. I'm like, why are you liking your new players? Come on, now. <laughs> I mean, we need our new players, um, because yeah. uh, we're not producing new Ampguarders through the old fashioned way. Um, because there's not a lot of legacy kids, so we need to pull kids in that are nerdy and want to hit kids with foam. So be yeah, nice yeah. to your new players. Um, Shaft, you are at the second new. You're at a relatively new park to Polaris. Um, mm -hmm. and you guys have four or five regular new players. Have you seen them fall into I the the same thing? I don't think we have that many new players. I've seen maybe two. Is it two, two okay. or three? Um, and uh, the one I've seen out most recently, I, I think he was uh, playing bar handed bar barbarian, which I means like, I think barbarian is one of the other good ones. Mm -hmm. I actually think that monk is a good beginner class because it it uh, silos away the spellcasting. Mm -hmm. Um. Because functionally, Ampguard has two systems, right? It's got the foam fighting and it's got the spell, the spell casting. Yes. And um, if you can introduce them to the foam fighting and just sort of like, you're basically just like getting, dipping your toe in the water by playing Monk with uh, the spell casting. Because, mm -hmm. because, you know, like there's a few things that affect you and like enchants. And so, like, you get sort of like a very, um, very narrow begin introduction to the, uh, spellcasting class mm. i think that's a, a reasonable way to do it although i do i mean i think that um uh, sedge made a good argument for scout because you get kind of a little bit of everything yes. a little bit of all the casting 
Um, and then it's just you're affected by everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting. Um, it depends kind of on your park, I almost want to say. Because, like, mm-hmm. ET, if you play a class that doesn't have some kind of immunity, um, we have a lot of Paragon casters and some really aggressive casters in general. Yeah. Uh, you will get full blown hit in the face with a lot of spells and you're going to be confused. Um, yeah. but my first park ice haven, we had like three casters Yeah. and most of them were support. So. Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, I mean, I think in that situation, it, uh, you can kind of start with anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these two have both like suggested good ways of introducing newbies, like the, the floating, uh, credits is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not, you know, not pushing any one class or any any subset of classes also reasonable if your park is doesn't have too many casters. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of got to... You've got to customize and specialize how you integrate newbies into your game based on what your park has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is a hard answer to give people because it's kind of like, hey, uh, figure it out. <laughs> Hope it works. Um, yeah. All right. So we've got opinions on that. Uh, Nez is in the chat with us. Um, I should be able to unmute you. Apparently I can't. Hold on. <laughs> Nez, if you have any questions, you feel free to ask them as soon as I can figure out how to unmute you. Ah, I got it. Okay. Um, Nez, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Otherwise, we'll move to constructive spicy takes. Um, And I say constructive because my first episode had spicy takes and not all of them were constructive. So uh, (laughs) we open that up. Nez, do you have any questions for the the monks here? Nope. Nez left. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nez is back. Nez is back. Can you speak, Nez? Can I speak? Yes, you can. There you go. Uh, do you have any um, questions? Honestly, my only questions would be if Thais uh, wants to share the tech secrets. For throwies? For throwies. Hell yeah. So, if I would rip this apart, I would. So, this one show, here, let me just see where that shows it. I can yeah, take the tape um, off. Boomerangs are one of the things I've been trying to perfect. Because so, I know so, you, you can get the distance with them. Yeah. So, do you have a... Let me just quickly doodle on this. So I re- remember roughly where all the silicone channels are. There fatter done. The one thing uh, I found with the boomerangs, how I built them this first like this first generation of them, I built them a little bit too heavy. So uh when it gets cold up here, like minus forty, uh they hit hard as shit. So you have to be very careful. <laughs> So I'll see how all well this shows up. 
So these are three layers. Um, I don't know how well it'll pick it up. Kind of see the two layers here and then one in the center. Mm -hmm. So this is all Eva foam, which is why it hits hard. Uh, you can because you guys have blue mat, you could do it with blue mat and be way nicer. Um, if I was doing blue mat, I would do the center, the center layer of Eva, and then blue mat, blue mat on on these opposing sides. And if you had to, it's just a little bit too too mean. You can run a yeah, there you can see it. You could run an extra strip all around mm -hmm. to cushion the blow. So the parts I've drawn in here are silicone channels. They're um yeah, they're about my keys thick. Just the top part of my key all the way down. And they have a little box here, a box in the middle, and a box here. And it's all filled with non-hardening silicone from mm -hmm. DAP. Sponsor me, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they're then constructed with uh, you do you do your cuts on the middle layer first, put on your one face, put in your silicone. If you're doing a cloth tape, you don't have to wait 24 hours, but if you want to make them really pretty and uh, like do a fabric cover, you want to wait um, 24 hours, 48 hours for the silicone to off gas because it's constantly going to be putting out a little bit of uh, gas. Once that's done, you either tape them up. I always try and do weird dazzle patterns with mine. So when they're flying, they fuck with people's eyes and I find it hilarious. And, oh, of course, you put on the other face. And then mm -hmm. that's that's the gist of it for, for that tech. Um, okay, uh, what are your dimensions on those? Because the way I make my boomerangs, they are... They're min specs, so they're only nine inches from point to point. Oh, um, mine is 17 and a half this way. <laughs> okay, so these are like almost max then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the bigger the boomerang, like the bigger the projectile, the heavier it'll be. Depending on how you build it, the more stable it'll be when you're flying. Mm -hmm. Like I have. Oh, it's all the way over there. I'm not correct. Um, I have smaller projectiles that, like, they fly, they don't fly far. So mm -hmm. you got to find that nice balance. Like, my chakrams are 10-inch diameters, and they fly really well. But they also have I, a bit more silicone. My main throwies for my monk build are 11-inch kunais. Nice. Uh, what I found um, for, like, that style, have any underneath... Oh, I do have a microphone. So my normal one was microphones. So these are two-inch balls up top. I uh, cut and then filled with like a little, like a little pocket of silicone, re-glued together, and had a channel pretty much cut for the pool noodle to fit in. Pool noodle. I forgot to cover this one all the way. And these actually bounce. You see? No, you won't be able to see it well. Uh, they bounce super, super well. You hit these at people's feet, and they'll bounce up into their chest all all day. I found that works really well for like that style. So people always forget about the bounce. Yeah, um, I usually category bounce. I categorize my throwies into three categories. I have my bounce throwies; they bounce well. My kill throwies; I have at least fifty foot of range with them, and 
um, accurate, pretty, like, to like a man-sized target at 50 feet. Then I have my bombard throwies, which are my boomerangs, where I just fucking huck them. And because we're, like, 20 on 20, as long as I know roughly where that area is, I'll just sail them into the uh, the opponent's uh, back line. And then you can pick them up a sanctuary. Exactly. Nez, <laughs> um, do you have any other questions? No, I, I think the rest of this episode pretty much answered them. Awesome. Hell Doing yeah. the job. Um, do we have any constructive spicy takes from our guests? What do you mean by that? Um, for example, uh, Balder used... Um, park paragons shouldn't be a thing you should be able to be a paragon outside of just your park um kind of emphasizing on like the kingdom level uh because there are mm. still some kingdoms that recognize uh park only paragons never heard of that um yeah i've, I've heard it a few times and i've seen some of them given out and like having talked to those people beforehand it's like you got Paragon. <laughs> they are usually of a lower quality. Yes. Um, that yeah, was kind of I, one of the spicy takes. Yeah, I saw that a few times. I'm like, wait, how did how did how did this person get Paragon? What? Mm -hmm. How much drugs did they give? <laughs> but I mean... like, they were they were very very poor, par like, uh, poor player when it came to their class, mm -hmm. and like, I was just like, how? <laughs> <laughs> how did you manage this it's so i think the standard of paragon hood because it is kind of loosely written in the rules um we have a very large variation in what a paragon is and because yeah. arcaporas are allowed to manipulate if uh paragon is a kingdom or a high level park award mm -hmm. um it creates a, a weird disparity where you can definitely tell kingdom paragons against park paragons. And I know a mm -hmm. lot of kingdoms have done away with the park paragons because they want paragon to be a masterhood level thing mm -hmm. that they're handing out. Not just to like, right. hey, you're real good at the class at uh, this shire. Yeah. Good job. One, one problem we have up here just because of the huge distance is we have mm -hmm. Canadian and American paragons and they both play differently mm -hmm. and it's it's it, it it's fun for me being the speaker because i have to try and get information on all of them <laughs> so i have to cover the western canada and parts of northwest mm -hmm. stupid it's a lot of work um, oh yeah oh yeah i was gonna because i remember you guys were saying you had questions about speaker shit i could show some of the stuff i've worked on because so um Quantano, your kingdom has a circle of paragons that actually votes like the circle of knights. Um, yes. And from what Teflon has told me, they're they're not very good at voting in new people. <laughs> I don't know if I should ha have my spicy take on that. <laughs> I mean, if you like want to be political, <laughs> you want to be political now. You're good. Eventually, get paragon monk. Um, but it is, uh, it is, they keep trying to get it to where they are the same slash equal 
to the circle of knights mm -hmm. as a circle of paragons to where a potential paragon would have to go through them but of course the monarch can always give the yeah. give it to them anyways but they want it to be still required and i think that is terrible because winter's edge is a young kingdom but it's not a young area no and boy do we have clicks and boy is the paragon circle very much looking like a click more and more quickly it's i'm i don't want to say that every group of elite every elite group that controls a uh um uh, that controls who is allowed to be part of that group is going to create an unfair or unrealistic standard, but it seems that that happens very often. If you have a circle of paragons that are essentially like a good old boys club, they're going to continue to be a good old boy club. And it's hard to break that. Um, I know when Polaris was writing Arcaporo, we specifically did not make a circle of paragons to avoid that exact problem. And we had the benefit of having multiple players that have been in the game for 30 plus years saying, that's a dumb idea. Don't do it. We're not doing it here. Uh, mm -hmm. We're making our own kingdom yeah. with hookers and blackjack. Um, <laughs> except we made our own kingdom with uh, cheese curds and paragons. <laughs> that's Bulls? kind of what we did. We, oh, um, the polls were later. We adopted polls. Um, okay. They are in Raider polls. Raider blue and yellow. Yeah, they they were Raider uh, polls, and then we adopted them because Cuball's a mad genius scientist. Dude. He wrote spell lists for people that weren't prepared to play a class that could use a poll. Um, yeah, some druids. And then he cut up strips. Like the man loves making stuff when he's into it. But uh, he runs at 150% and then burns out for a while, and I don't blame him. Cause... The, the only other big spicy thing that I have is, for a while, our the biggest, most vocal player that was on the Circle of Paragons also put Monk as the least useful class. So, of course, that just drove me harder into the clutches of the Monk class and striving farther and farther and harder and harder for the Paragon, which... One day we'll see. How is your paragon circle so wrong? Is <laughs> monk's not useful? Like, right? Uh, it's the worst class. Scout exists. Come on, <laughs> right? They had that to have forgotten. Nice. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it, like it's not even one of the classes that gets replaced by druid because replicating some of your abilities is really hard. Yeah. Actually, it's impossible for half of them. But like. Yeah, I don't. I don't get. I've never been on a field and said, uh, "Oh, we have too many monks." Yeah, maybe not enough. Not enough things to make the monks good, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess it's just that we don't see enough monks that actually utilize things down here in Winter's Edge Neverwinter area. So. Mm -hmm. Y'all want to come down sometime? I'm working sure, on it. It's way too far. <laughs> Show Winner's Edge what it's like. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's what I'll just have to do. I'll just take everything that I've also learned here, because this has been fantastic for me as well, and I'll just really have to show off now. 
you've revealed my secret plan. I'm running these paragons so I can learn how to be a paragon in every class. <laughs> Man, that, that's Listen. like if you actually like try and paragon Reeve. Oh my you god! Fucking like your third eye of truth opens up on the field. <laughs> like I... you, it's like you're, you're like you're looking around. It's like he's doing something wrong. <laughs> it it's ridiculous. That's uh... what I'm trying to go for for my second trim. Is fucking Reeve. Do you guys have Walker sure. in the middle or Walker yeah. of the middle? Okay. Yeah. That's Paragon Reeve. That's what that is. And I love that title. Walker of the middle, Walker in the middle, whatever your kingdom calls it, because there's apparently yeah. different. I don't know. It's very weird. We, it's, we found out yeah. that our kingdom listed it as um, a title and an award and called it two different things. <laughs> yeah. There is one kingdom that hands out uh, orders of the Walker of the middle. Interesting. So you get ten orders, then you become a Paragon Reef. Hmm. Oh, so you uh, do you do you actually want to see some like back end of at least the Viridian Outlands circle of Paragons? Because I made some public viewing watch lists. I I don't care if I show yeah. the, the masses. Uh, making people more aware of how to become a Paragon is like half of this podcast. Awesome. So public. Let me see if this works. Can you guys all see this? I'll click into it. It oh, is recording. There it is. I heard it. Okay, so the blacked out names are all upcoming paragons. That's why they're all blacked out. Good These people out. down here are all people who are paragons, like we're talking to each other about. Mm -hmm. So this is a quick look watch list. We have uh, people who are they level six? Yes, X marks it. Then we mm -hmm. go through and talk with all the other paragons get how how do they perform out of five in these areas and like any notes on and i put them into the dock and it brings up our like a uh, rough total it's like oh we should talk about this player for this class we talk about maybe not this player because no one like no one had anything good to say about them mm -hmm. or uh this player is like a legacy player they play this one class really mm -hmm. well but they still only want to play seven of that class so they don't know the new classes. Mm -hmm. And so this gives, and the, the current monarch has access to it. And I tell him whenever I update him, like, hey, so the watch list is updated, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. this gives us a tool that quick looks and uh, allows them to uh, kind of make sure people don't get left behind. And I make sure to talk to monarchs to try and populate like the black section of this list mm -hmm. so I can then have more people talk about do you have a blank version of this no but i can make one okay this was this was fun and then we also have our full we have a full ass charter oh damn for for the circle of paragons and it's all all of our voting rules uh what powers the speaker has and all that good stuff so we like we try and treat it like at least I try and treat it really professionally. Like mm -hmm. we're here to help people get their trim. Like this isn't supposed to be like an old boys club. We're here to help get people trim. And that's all it is. That's what we have to focus on. If you have a circle of, of paragons or you are a paragon, um, making sure you are teaching and passing on how to get to that point, not even in your own class, just in general. It doesn't matter if you're a bard and, uh, someone at your park wants to become a Paragon monk, you have to try to figure out how to, like, help them. Um, 
I, that's my firm belief that you have to do some of the teaching. I don't necessarily think you have to be the most active teacher. Like you don't have to actively do classes or this format thing. This is ridiculous. Don't, I'm not asking any Paragon to do this. Um, this is, this is way extra, but <laughs> I told you I do extra shit. <laughs> I think he's referring to himself. And I'm, I'm saying like this whole podcast and everything. Oh, like, yeah, 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 and th everything, yeah. This, this is a great tool for Paragon Hood and for Paragons to keep an eye on other people because that's half the, the battle is finding new players that are on that path. Um, I know uh, I've several times publicly said like, hey, if you want to be a Paragon and you're in my kingdom or you see me at an event, whatever, just ask me to watch you and I will. I'll give you feedback. I'll give you straight up honest feedback. It might not be what you want to hear but i'm going to tell you what my opinion is and then i'm going to also flavor it with the fact that i'm a ridiculous paragon i have stupid standards that you should not try to always meet um yeah i, yeah, I I'm, <laughs> I, I'm pretty up there in standards as well like i'm like if this person is good like i think they can hold their own like really well and like like that's why i also try like for this uh for this watch list try and break it down to where people are good at what they're mm -hmm. and then we can go back to them and say, if they complain about, hey, I've never blah, 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 I'm not good at this. I'm like, okay, well, like, say it's one of these people. Well, you don't travel. You've never been to any event outside of your own. Because like, yeah. these, these were people from my own park. Like, you've never been to somewhere outside of our park. Mm -hmm. Or I think this one was as well. It's like, they never traveled outside of their park. Mm -hmm. it's... And because we, we're in a weird situation where we're got across borders, there's only one, two other parks for Canadians to travel to, mm -hmm. and one's a twenty-person park. The other is ten-person park. Right, it's a little rough for you guys. Um, yeah. Once again, you just need more amp guarders. Um, Apparently, <laughs> mm -hmm. you need to figure out how to make woods parks. I don't know. Um, I haven't looked at a population map of Canada in a while. ever. Um, probably ever. <laughs> So I don't know what your guys' population looks like, but I'm going to guess, based on the amount of land you have, it's less concentrated than a lot of America is, because America's really bad at managing land. Just straight up. Um, so the travel aspect of things is a really important thing. If you have a blank version of this, I'm going to post it in the, the um, notes and everything so people can have access to this. I think this is a fantastic tool for circles of paragons, or even if you're being an individual paragon, try to watch people. This is a great tool. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll remake it. Like I'll have to make a copy of it and scrub it. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, I can do that probably tomorrow. That would be after awesome. wacky bets. <laughs> wacky bets. Uh, do we have any other comments, concerns, spicy takes on paragonhood or uh, the battle game night? Because that's a discussion. Battle game night will be interesting. I think how they were trying to um, attach it to Paragon Hood, I liked it, but also didn't. Because then you're going to have people going for Paragon Hood just because they want to get the the belt, not because mm -hmm. they like the class. Yep. So it's just like, I don't want to devalue. It's like, these people love this class. They're good at this class. You should talk to them. But... Mm -hmm. It'll be Meh. interesting to see. I've talked with yeah. a couple senators, and they don't think it's going to pass this this year. Um, partially because we need uh, 19 parks to say yes. Or 19 kingdoms to say yes out of 22. Um, if three parks yeah. say no, it's dead in the water, and we have to wait till next year. 
So super fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I know this is more uh, like any circle of Paragon at the same time. If you don't actively like try and contribute stuff or like even vote or added paintings or anything, why are you on a circle of Paragons? Mm -hmm. Like you should be there, as I said before, to get people their trim, help people out. Don't be a dingus. Don't be a <sighs> gatekeeper. I mean, you can have standards. There's a very, yeah. There's a very specific difference between being a gatekeeper and being and having standards. Uh, don't make those standards ridiculous. I I think my kingdom currently, um, and Shaf, you can attest to this. I think our standard for paragons is currently hard in the direction of battle games and completely ignores role play almost entirely. Oh, ours Mostly, is pretty yeah. much as well. Like I, I had to t have people tell me about their role play and I'm like, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like, a little, we got a little bit of leeway given to like looking the part, but it's not, Yeah, but it's definitely heavily focused on being effective on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, and that's why, like, the other thing that I find a lot of people, uh, like, don't do is they also don't teach their class at all. They like, oh, I'm trim, and then they go and off and mm -hmm. don't try and help anyone else. I think that's something you can. I mean, you should always be teaching because a, um, insight. My mom was a teacher for twenty something years. Mm -hmm. You learn something better when you teach it. Yeah. because you have to explain it in a way you don't normally think yeah. um literally the way i got paragon was basically teaching bard to a person going for wizard a person or a healer a person going for warrior and a person going for assassin that's what we did in the vehicle as we drove around uh almost right. the country to do shit mm -hmm. and we got stupid fast like we learned shit stupid quick because we were just paying attention to each other, learning from each other, and then teaching each other the same shit. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, do that. Go teach people. Go listen. Go learn. But always take it with a grain of salt. Some yeah. people have really weird tactics, <laughs> like my thirty poison druid list. It doesn't. It shouldn't make sense. It does. <laughs> There's fun lists out there that are ridiculous. Um, you're allowed to have fun. Yes. Oh, the other big thing. Man, you have to protect people from that burnout on the path. Because, man, I was so close to giving up before I got monk, my monk trim. Yeah. Burnout is so fucking... Uh, if you feel or see someone having burnout, um, or you feel yourself having burnout, play a different class for a while. Um, I think... Um, in Viridian Outlands, you guys call it your push or something like that when you actually are really going for your, your Paragon hood. You should oh, yeah. find a push or whatever, something like that. Yeah, I, um, I think you heard of that from like Arduin or Storm. Yeah, um, I think it was Storm. Um, yeah, If you yeah, feel we... it, just change change steps for a little bit and it should it should help. Um, yeah. All right, we are at three hours. Oh, we're at three and a half hours. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think we could wrap this up because I believe it is like 1130 in Quan's neck of the woods. So, uh, yeah, I have to be up in like six hours. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh boy. Um, thank you all for coming. Thank you all guests for being here. 
um, and participating mm-hmm. with this. Uh, this might have broken a record for the longest episode. I'm not sure. I'll have to look. <laughs> um, so what happens when you get monk punked. Yeah, the punk monks. Thank you guys. Um, any last comments before we close? Check out Whack and Wap. Yeah, do that. Go look at Whack or go listen and watch Whack and Wap. Um, they are. I don't even know what that is. They are podcasts. Uh, how about how about Quan run an advertisement for it? Because you know you're one of the hosts. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, when I'm in town, I get to host. Um, so WAC stands for Warlords, Warlords and Kingdoms. Uh, it's a LARP podcast. Uh, we've got almost 50 episodes between us and or them and us, which are a subsect. WAC, WAC is, which is Women Ampguard People. Uh, we are, I'm a co-host of that one, and we specifically focus on non-male fighters and non-male uh, leaders of the game. Uh, we've got a couple of episodes shuffled in with WAC, uh, and you should definitely come check us out on your favorite part podcast and Facebook and yeah. They now have video and it's entertaining. Yeah, we did. We started videoing too. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all just had on lady lightning and that was just, a, a, a I know that you like interviewed her like a month and a half ago or something. Um, it was in February. Was it? Oh God. Yeah. Okay, you did it a while ago. Um, it was. But that episode was fantastic. I highly recommend, especially if you're like a numbers nerd like me and you really like data and stuff. So it's, go be a numbers nerd. nerd. Lots of stats. It was I a great want, episode. I want data, and Lightning <laughs> pulls it from the orc and gives it to us in a very real, beautiful fashion. It's great. Um, right. We, yeah. Like yeah. before I came on here, I was like, I wonder if Lightning's ever like seen how many melee classes have female or non-male paragons. Oh my god, we need to do that. Oh right? dear god. Oh god, now I'm gonna load up the Facebook. I'm looking up my circle right now, actually. We Get need it. I the data really quickly. Especially compared to casters, how many are male, non-male, or just paragons in general? Like VO actually Ooh. does not have a lot of uh melee. I feel like melee paragons are also kind of harder to get from what I've uh, noticed. I, they rely I find on more people will rely on often. stick. Yes. And some um, people will be like, oh, if you're not like, like you can't fight like almost a warlord. Why are you yeah, if you don't have eight orders of the warrior, you can't be a good melee paragon. The only one I think that is true with is barbarian because barbarian relies so much on melee skill that if you don't same have with, melee same skill. Same with uh, warrior. I find yeah. warriors really bad for it. I mean, if you I mean, have, you the can just crush. be good at taking taking yeah. hits as a warrior. Like if you're good yeah. at like rolling it, so they're like, "That was an arm. I'm going to rotate this way. I'll take it on the hip instead." Yeah, that's you know two points on or one point on two different locations. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've seen a lot more paragon warriors with less stick skill. I've seen very few paragon barbarians that aren't either extremely talented tactically or extremely talented stick wise. Um. Because that class kind of falls apart if you're not actually killing. Like, half your abilities go away. That's my last spicy take. I I have the stats for how how many on the VO are uh, are Is it it very, very skewed? Because that's my guess. How's it doing? Uh, 5%. Oh. Yep. Okay. We have, 
Out of 18 people, we have one female paragon. All right. Uh, although, if I actually open up the watch list, grab the actual one and not the one I've blacked out, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm message like, I don't want to share this. Tomorrow. <laughs> Okay, uh, on the actual one, we have one, three, four, five, six. Six, six out of... Six on the watch list. I think it's 15, yeah. That's not so bad. So it's, it's almost 50-50. It's almost Better. We have Better. currently one active, one active female paragon. I'm betting I might be able to pull that. I'm going to look through... I don't want to sink myself into this project. Well, I am going to go to bed and you right. guys have fun with this last spicy take. Adios, y'all. We're going gonna to close it up here. Um, I don't want to sink myself into the project of saying I'm going to go find out the statistics behind non-male paragons. Um, but we'll probably find that data out soon. Uh, hopefully this episode will be up on... Oh, this episode will be up on Friday. And I don't have our next episode because we had to reschedule one. So... Uh, bid you all adieu and virtual Merrick will roll us out this has been another episode of the paragon path if you liked what you heard or saw please drop us a like and follow on youtube or spotify or google music or anywhere else that you can find us we have a facebook page on the path that lets you know when we're recording what you can join into and what to expect next we record these episodes live every other weekend on the kingdom of polaris discord link is in the comments if you'd like to learn more please subscribe comment, or just drop us a line. As always, happy to see you on the field. See you next time.